the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back at the Capitol today. Yesterday at Roland Raps, had a great time. Uh, Evans, a great guy, came on and uh, talked us through what they do. And we talked about a lot of different things. Ed came by. One of our listeners just dropped by to get his get his uh, windows tinted. And we had him on for a few minutes. A guy came in from California and was talking about how nice it is to live in, in Arkansas with that in mind. And... So today we come back to catch up on what's going on here at the Capitol. House in session, Senate in session, and we've got several different people that will be by to uh, to visit with us here uh, as the afternoon unfolds. Uh, in the 3 o'clock hour, we've got a couple of people, Paul, that you've set up. Who do you, who do you Ho- get coming hopefully. in? Hopefully. Um, I was speaking with Representative Dalby. She is the chair of the Judiciary Committee on the House side, and hopefully we can get her on. If, if the um, house is out in time and she's available. And then let me see who else we have. Um, and somebody at 3.30 you had uh, clowning, I think. Uh, yes, hopefully we on. can get clowning to come on. And then also possibility for Alan Clark at 4.30. Yeah, 4 o'clock is Ryan Norris, Ryan Americans Norris. for Prosperity. 5 o'clock is the Bible Guys. Bible Guys. And hopefully, maybe sometime during this hour, we can get Dan Douglas on. He had a bill. He sponsored a bill to, to legalize doctor-assisted suicide. It failed rather miserably in, in the House committee this morning, but we'd, we'd like to talk to him to see what he's what he had in mind. And then today, uh, while the House is meeting, they'll be voting on House Bill 1429 and 1567, one from uh, Representative Dotson, the other from Lundstrom, uh, both dealing with uh, sexual assault and concerning sexual assault collection kits and concerning the submission of sexual assault collection kits. Uh, you remember we had uh, State Representative Lundstrom on uh, or I think it was early last, last, last week, week sometime I think. Uh, talking about what was it 1,300 rape kits that needed to be processed? Yeah, something like that. I can't remember exactly the number but so apparently they don't get processed unless, unless the prosecutor asks, asks for them. Mm. Which, well, probably. Which could, which, could cause, which could mean one of two things. One, they're, maybe they're not finding as many rapists or two, maybe they're, they're not um, actually bringing all the evidence to the table that might would exonerate some of the people that are, who are being accused. Well, those are both problems, Paul. Mm-hmm. But I think if you looked at it, the, uh, they're probably prioritizing the criminals that they've got. They might be. I, and, and I think the crime lab is overrun right now and shorthanded. So uh, there's people that have done some really bad things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, rape is a really bad thing. But there's people that's waiting trial for things to be done. Mm-hmm. So the people that are waiting trial get priority o- right. over over other things. So uh, I think they're probably looking at a Band-Aid on the problem. I think, but they're, I think actually I, adding, they're actually adding another person to help with the, um, with ad- the backlog. Exactly, with the backlog for that one particular thing. But they have tens of thousands of backlogs of other things, other things also. Well. 
Right. So I understand. So uh, I think there's a bigger issue there that needs to be looked at, and, and uh, I'm all for what they're doing, but we might need to take some of this bigger government Medicaid money or highway taxes that we're doing and look at some things about putting some criminals behind bars. So yeah. uh, th- that crime lab is underfunded in a lot of ways, and that's just one instance. Well, at least they're dealing with that instance. That's exactly right. That's you better know, than nothing. The thing that we've tried to, when we talked about this, we want everybody to understand, when they go in and they do those uh, those kits, that goes into a system, and that might, you know, hit somebody else that uh, and, and, and be able to solve another crime. Maybe right. the crime that happened, they don't have anything, but all of a sudden, they get a, a match for another crime. Yeah, might, there's, who knows? So might be a person that they're being convicted for one thing. When they yeah. do the DNA testing, they now might they find, find five out. or six yeah. of them that they didn't know about. That's but there's key. people that are waiting to go to trial right now for the crime lab to get things done. Mm-hmm. And, and they're out running around loose in society uh, waiting for their trial date, waiting to get it done. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, other, there's other pressing problems right. also. Yeah, well, I wish somebody would pick up the ball and run a bill on something well, like that. I think that. some of that is maybe due to the fact that they're enforcing a bunch of laws and prioritizing a bunch of laws that shouldn't be prioritized. I mean, when, you, when someone can go to prison longer for drug p- possession than they do for murder, I think that's a, a pretty good indication the priorities are pretty far off. Well, that might be true also, but I know from my time on the quorum court mm-hmm. in the county jail, the people in our county jail in Lono County need to be in jail. <laughs> I mean, the ones that are there really need to be there. And no. uh, the over an, another over problem as far as what we're talking about, uh, the population of Arkansas grows every year. We haven't built any prisons or expanded any prisons in 15 years. And uh, uh, I'm all for rehabilitation. And we're closing city jails and county jails left and right because they keep passing bills that says that the people on the inside got to have running water. They got to have an exercise facility. They got to have hot water and, well, and all of this stuff. So we're closing jails. We're not building any more prisons. And uh, uh, nobody wants to do the hard work. And, and actually solve the problem. And I'm all for, you know, doing something in the right direction, but we have a problem in Arkansas, and that is most of our county jails are 50 to 60 percent state and federal state and federal prisoners because the state and the feds don't have any place to put them. That means everybody in your community is getting arrested and gets out the next morning because the county jails are full of state and federal prisoners, yeah. anywhere from 40 to 60 percent. Well, and I think maybe the, we may be need to to re-examine the way we're dealing with criminals you know if they're too dangerous to ever if they're so dangerous we can't trust them in society why are they still breathing and there's some of them we'd agree on and if we can and if they're just if they've committed property crimes or something of that nature where they need to be punished maybe we need to focus more on getting them to, to pay what they broke pay for what they broke or stole or whatever it was Rather than just having a rot in a taxpayer-funded facility that just cost us money, rather than they need to be on a work, they need to be on a work on, program, on a program working at all that, that pays off their victims. Well, that's exactly right. Let's try to get somebody on that's working that problem, so we can talk to them here in the uh, upcoming days when we're here. Uh, I came across something uh, late last week, before uh, or after we finished up our. Uh, broadcast from the, the capital, and so 
I'm just getting to it today. Yesterday we had a, a different uh, uh, remote that we had to do, so I wasn't talking about this. But from January 22nd, 2016, I have the governor's weekly address. And I, want, I, I don't have the audio, but I do have the uh, written version of it. So I want to read this to you. Okay. And just to say that I sure wish this governor would have shown up this year uh, for the people here at uh, the House and the Senate. Says this week, I wanted to visit with you about Arkansas's highways. The facts are we have declining revenue for our highways and our needs are greater than ever. Sounds familiar. Uh, And then we need additional funds for Arkansas to assess new federal money that's been made available in recent federal highway programs. The new federal highway legislation will provide Arkansas with $200 million a year for new road funding, but it requires a match from the state. We need $46 million in matching funds by September of this year and an average of $50 million each year into the future. After hearing from the Highway Working Group, members of the legislature, industry leaders, and others I have outlined a bold yet realistic plan for funding Arkansas highways. All right, now that's the setup. Now listen to what he suggested. For the first time in our state's history, we will make a meaningful contribution to our highways from general revenue funds, which in the past provided less than 1% of our highway needs. It's important to note that my plan to use general revenue for highways will not reduce available funding for other critical needs like education, child welfare, criminal justice, and more. But a key part of the plan is that we will, we will, we will not raise taxes to fund our highways. Specifically, there will be no new taxes on gasoline, diesel fuel or sales tax. With our economy still on the mend and with families who are still struggling to make ends meet, now is not the time to raise taxes. This new program allows us to access billions of dollars in federal highway money all without raising taxes. In the first year of my highway plan, Arkansas will primarily use unobligated surplus funds to provide the federal match of $46 million. In later years, the highway program will generate revenue from road user items. Okay, road user items. Let's, Let's listen to this real closely because the governor wouldn't even pay attention to this this year. All right. Uh... Here, let me go back and pick it up now. In later years, a highway program will generate revenue from road user items such as a portion of existing sales tax on new and used cars. This will not raise or change the taxes that Arkansans already pay on vehicles they drive. It will be phased in over time and capped at $25 million. There are other sources of revenue involved as well, but none will affect taxes or our ability to meet our budget obligations. My final recommendation is using 
25% of our budget surplus each year for highways. This will be done after education and our other critical budget needs are met. Highway infrastructure is key to our state's economic development, and he goes on to talk about how important this is. I'd like to know why, all of a sudden, over three years, using taxes on new cars, used cars, and and other highway-related type of issues suddenly fell off of the table as a, a means of funding our highways, and we came back and... We're looking at, uh, you know, uh, money from uh, gambling and things of that nature and holding on, holding on to a sunsetting, uh, what was it, a half-cent sales tax. Why are we doing that? Why don't we jettison that out and go back to what the governor's talking about here when he says, in the first year of my highway plan, Arkansas will primarily use unobligated surplus, then... Later years, the highway program will generate revenue from road user items such as a portion of existing sales tax on new and used cars. Look, I talked about this last week. I was talking to uh, the Saline County Republicans, and I brought this up. This is something that has been talked about for years. BB shot it down uh, in flames back in 2013, and now the governor has turned his back on it. Why? So I, th- I, th- I think it's maybe because... They don't want to reduce spending increases. I, th- I think they're wanting to grow government, and they can't grow government as much if they don't raise, ta- raise taxes. Well, that's kind of an obvious point. but yeah. And that's I think that maybe where it comes down to is that if you actually reallocate the the funding that comes from, from car- batteries and tires and, and things of that nature and new and, and, used, and, cars. New and used cars, that if you reallocate that sales tax to pay for roads, then that means you can't use that money for other welfare programs and because it goes in we got to remember now it it's not going into for roads it's going into general revenue which is a big slush fund basically that's exactly right and i think handy for buying votes right exactly you know back in 2016 that plan was come was worked on as as we know here by jonathan barnett and a work group of a republican that did that in 2013 and it was excellent plan it passed both the house and the senate and our democratic governor would not sign it uh i think maybe uh you know we know the governor's track record I think in 2016, the governor probably had good intentions when he said that. They were thinking about reducing waste. The, the senators and all the Republicans had taken charge. They are all coming on. They're going to save tens and millions of dollars by reducing raise, uh, redundant job programs. And they were going to cut some of the benefits. And they were going to, they were going to save enough money to be able to allocate automotive-type taxes to highways and be able to replace the money that they were taking out of general revenue with savings from reducing government. That sounded like a good speech. They put it down on paper. I think he had good intentions. But this governor has not cut Medicaid. As far as Obamacare, he has not been willing to kill that program. And he's not been uh, he's not been willing to allocate existing money to cover the highways. And uh, uh, it, it keeps being higher taxes and more government will say, hey, we've cut taxes in this department. But the it's just like Donald Trump. You know, the budget keeps going up. The budget keeps going up. We keep raising taxes. And 
the spending the same. You cannot reduce taxes unless you reduce spending. The big question is, is every program that you started still doing something so important that you got to keep it going? And see, that's what they don't do at a national level, and they're not doing it here in the in the state level. They're not going back and seeing what they're spending their money on. Are you getting the bang for your buck that you're supposed to get? You know, it's just like the president's budget that he's proposing right now. Uh, he They actually referred to trying to do some of the same things nationwide as Arkansas is doing as far as o- Obamacare. So basically that's telling me Obamacare is, is, is eternal. Socialism is eternal. They're just going to grow it. The Republicans are going to have a more economic socialism. The people that are buying let's, insurance let's and paying social- their taxes are going to continue to buy insurance and, and for people that are low income. Let's make socialism conservative. That's exactly right. So uh, I tell you what, the Republicans, the, the federal big government Republicans are just trying to grow government slower than the Democrats are slowing government. I'm afraid so. And, Not and, much slower, unfortunately. And, and, if you looked at, let's look at eight years of BB and see what percentage of the budget grew in eight years of BB. And then whenever we have eight years of, of, of the Republicans that we have now, to see the and, and let's see what the percentage of the di- difference is. Numbers tell the truth. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. Let me talk to RD a little bit about uh, Sonny's auto salvage. I've been using it now for the last several years. And uh, I've had a mo- I've had two motors put in two different cars, transmission put in a car as well, um, and then I just picked up another piece from him the other day. This one, so I can listen to my radio the way I'm supposed to. That I had no idea that I need it, and I got that now, and I'll have it put in this week. So, how do you know? Do you just get every part of the car that's still? Uh, viable and and have it just in case you need it, or are there specific items that you know you need to have on the shelf? Well, whenever we buy, look at wrecked cars, we look at the mileage and the age of cars. We tr- buy cars that are not wore out, cars that came to the end of their life because of an accident. When we get that car, uh, we get every part on that car except what's damaged in the accident. So there's not any dealer items with a, a late model auto recycler we get every part on the car that's not damaged and we can test the parts to make sure that they're still good but when we look at a car uh, we buy them for 10 parts there's 10 parts that we try to keep on the shelf motors transmissions and rear ends that our customers need uh-huh. and it just so happens that all the parts like the antennas and tail lights and all of that stuff comes comes with the car when we buy them for those 10 important parts all right so it if if you've got somebody who's looking for that part, you know you're going to have one of those cars come in sooner or later, then you can get that part for somebody. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have a, a waiting list for things that people are looking for. We have 10,000 of uh, warehouses of, of recycled auto parts on a touch of a computer. So really, there's no part that we can't give you a price on, whether we have it in stock or not. But we do our best to have yeah, because uh, it's not just you. It's thousands of, of uh, yards all over the United yeah, States. Yeah, we have thousands of warehouses of tested parts that we have access to. So if we don't have it, we'll be able to give you a price on it. And we offer you the same one, 
two and three year unlimited mileage warranty on any part you've come from Sonny's, no matter if it came out of our warehouses or one uh, another one that we picked it up from. All right. Where do people call to use you? All right. We'll call us at 501-982-7451 or 1-800-482-9985. That's Sunny's Auto Salvage, number one choice for recycled auto parts. I don't know if the house is done or not. A lot of people came out of the house for a moment. Maybe it's taking a short break. They didn't have a very long list of considerations for today, so there is a possibility they've already gotten through there because it's been about an hour now, But uh, and I didn't see anything that was really, um, how should we say, controversial. It didn't seem been to be pretty a whole lot running there. through there. It was pretty short agenda today. So um, hopefully we can get... Uh, uh, Robin Lundquist on, and, and maybe Dotson can come over and join us as well. We find out how uh, the thing with the rape kits are going. I'd like to see them get that passed in the House and get it over to the Senate and get it taken care of uh, as well. But right now we need the local news. Let's get that for you, and then we'll return here on the third floor, House side of the Capitol. All right, back with you. We're on the third floor, house side. House looks like they're out. Are oh, you, yeah. You're not, not, you're not taking a break? No, no we, that's just a lot of uh, farmers day at the legislature. Oh, got a okay. bunch of farmers up there. We're still in session. They're still in session. Yep. I know that you didn't have, it didn't look like you had a whole lot on the the, the session today. No, so. it's kind of a sort, short agenda today. We shouldn't be in there too long, but there's a couple bills we need to Work take on. close look at. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you have had a couple of pieces of legislation. You had one up in front of committee today. I'll let you explain to because a lot of people get questions, Dan, about it, about sure. why why it was brought up. And that's a doctor. They want to say doctor assisted suicide. But I wasn't at the meeting today. I heard people say, no, it's not really doctor assisted suicide. Why don't you explain what was going on? Uh, okay. It- the actual title of the bill was Compassionate Care End of Life Bill. And what it amounts to is we all know that at some point we're going to die. We're not going to be here anymore. And people aren't really afraid of being dead, but it's how they make that transition from living to dead that okay. scares the hell out of us, you know. Okay. And so we have a lot of medical conditions that can prolong that dying process over a long period of time. And it can be very painful and hard on not only the patient, the individual, but also on the families. Okay, What this bill did was allow a mentally competent patient that had been determined to be terminally ill. And we look at terminally ill as less than six months to live. And every option to prolong life has been exhausted. exhausted. So we have somebody that's going to die. And this bill would allow them the choice, and there was a lot of a uh, lot of safeguards. safeguards in there to allow the physician to prescribe a, a medicine that they could take and hasten their death. And, and you want to call it suicide, you want to call it whatever, right. but it's a, a compassionate ending to their life. They could take a pill go to sleep in about 10 minutes and 30 minutes later they'd be gone whenever they knew that everything was uh, going to end anyway 
that's basically what the bill was in a nutshell. Some of the safeguards, the person had to be able to administer it itself. Some people have called it the Dr. Kevorkian bill, uh, but where he got into problems, he was actually injecting people or administering the lethal dose himself. In this case, they take it themselves. They've got to be able to self-administer. They've got to ask the doctor. The doctor doesn't ask them. They have to request it of the doctor at least twice. They have to have some counseling. They've got to be uh, have explanation of all the other alternatives, palliative care, hospice care, medications to keep them sedated, pain relief, whatever. And um, also there's got to be a second doctor's opinion that they are terminally ill and they are of sound mind. And then the doctor can prescribe it, and he's held harmless on that, no liability. So I've kind of had some mixed thoughts about that. Generally, I think you should be able to buy pretty much any drug you want and use it however you want. So you're not, so long as you're not using it in a way that that's a threat or harmful to someone else. Unfortunately, we don't have that kind of liberty. And so, if someone wants to commit suicide with some of the more conventional painkillers, if you will, I don't know if it'd be morphine or some of that nature. You can't get it. You have to get it from a doctor. That's right. And so this is this is. Um, since we have a, a, the, the problem laws in place that prohibit us from, from having access to, to things that we should have access to as, as free people, then you've brought a bill along that would maybe help give people some access to something. However, I also have a problem with the idea of a doctor actively participating and killing a person. So it's kind of a... a and that's where some of the debate gets right. in there. And we had some of that to debate today. Mm-hmm. Um, is the doctor actively participating when all they, they're he, doing is filling the prescription yeah, at the request right, of the individual? He's making an endorsement of sorts. Uh, well, yeah, yeah of, you could say that. Um, uh, you, you know, here's the thing. Uh, some other states have had it. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, I think Oregon last year, population about 4 million people, uh, you know, about a third more than Arkansas, had about 250 patients that uh, requested it, it, okay, and and had the prescriptions filled. But only about half of those exercised the option or ever took it, it, you know, and ended their life this way. The thing is, this fear of dying and how we get there. Is it going to be painful? Is it going to be suffering? At least people have the option, and they want the option. If it gets too bad, yeah, I have the chance to. I have the option. I have the ability. Speed it up. To take care of that. Hey, I know that there's a very active Arkansas Suicide Council, and, uh, uh, you know, I can see to where maybe the alternative of someone's in pain or... The alternative could be worse than mm-hmm. what they might do. There's something. They might be better than the alternative, but my real question is, uh, has the Arkansas Suicide Council weighed in on this bill? I, I had not heard from them, no. Is that right? I think that might be a good, you know, they deal with people in this situation on a regular basis, and yeah. I know that they train people to deal with it, so I'd be yeah. interested to hear what they had to say yeah. about it. I, I have not heard from them personally. I, here, here's the thing. Suicide, we think more of depressed people and people that have temporary problems and stuff, but being suicidal. 
Uh, this is people that are terminally ill and are going to be dead within six months in all likelihood. And uh, it, it's a little bit of allowing the liberties and freedoms that, um, you, you know. It, there, it, there's some kind of conflicts on th- both sides. There's some conflicts there. there. There's some conflicts. And right. then you get into the religious end of it, you right. know, which is a totally, totally separate issue, but, but part of it for a lot of people. But I look at it this way. You know, most of these patients that are terminally ill, they've had medical intervention in the past that has probably prolonged their life and got them to this point. If you have lung cancer and you have a lung taken out and have chemo and radiation, you know, and you've had man-made intervention. Mm -hmm. And so they are actually living on borrowed time, if you will. All and of us what, are. What, All of us are to some extent. Yeah, well, well, that's that's true, Degree. But in this case, it's just allowing the individual to decide when he wants to repay that loan. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, you an know, interesting way to that, put that, it. That's an interesting way to put it. And the thing is, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I'm a I'm a farmer, and I don't mean to equate the worth of a human life to livestock or, or to our pets or whatever. But all of us, we don't want to see anything or anyone suffer. We put our pets down for humanitarian reasons. We take care of our livestock for humanitarian reasons. And sometimes, we've heard many times that we treat our livestock and our pets better than we do our humans because we allow them to suffer at times for for great expanded periods of time. Now, there are medications... They talked in there today, the hospice uh, doctors. Oh, if it gets too bad, we can sedate you where you're totally unconscious. And, and on principle, is that different? Uh, and if, what if you're sedated is, until, you're, until you die, is that, there a lot there, of principle there you go. difference? What but, is the difference? Where's the dignity? Uh, hey, you may be sedated. Bodily functions still go on. You saw yourself. You, it, you know, and they're washing you all the Wet time. yourself, and you have people cleaning you up. But where's the dignity? Um, it, you, you know. It, it, it's, there, a, it's a topic of discussion. It really is. What The people who were against this today, what was their main argument? Uh, but, you know, uh, what we had the Hospice Association come speak against it. Um, um, it was interesting. The association spoke against it. We had hospice nurses, and I've heard from many hospice nurses that actually do the caretaking that are for it really because they have seen the pain they have seen the suffering they have seen the heartache out mm-hmm. there and uh feel well, like there should be other options available and i think if if we had the liberty liberty that we should have then people should be able to go out and buy those drugs and you wouldn't have to have a doctor's endorsement of uh, as such but the fact is you know somebody could could go out and buy over-the-counter medications i won't mention any specifically they could take an overdose of and kill themselves. Yeah, yeah. It might be miserable, it may be awful, or it may be quite painless, but at the end of the day, they could do it with current over-the-counter medications. But it doesn't take a doctor's endorsement, a doctor who's been licensed by the state of Arkansas, who takes an oath to do no harm. And in effect, when you prescribe a, a, a lethal dose of medication for the purpose of killing someone, it's I think it's a violation of their oath. Yeah. However, I, I see where you're coming it, it, from. It, it, 
And you, you say they've taken the oath to do no harm. Do no harm. I think and is that which at times is the worst harm, prolonging somebody's right. suffering and, that's, and, and that's, agony. And that's, and that's, and that's the judgment. You know, call. I'm not trying to be right. contradictory. Right. I mean, these are no, questions that we need to answer well, and we need to talk about and, and discuss. That's, and that's probably a fair question. And and sometimes the the treatment that they're giving someone, like sometimes some of the the cancer treatments, the treatments are terrible. And so sometimes it's a judgment call as to whether or not the treatment is worse than the disease. And so sometimes the treatment might actually be doing harm, yeah. although bet. that's not the intention. You, you bet. You yeah, bet. but the bottom line is if you're undergoing treatments for cancer, you can stop the treatment. You can, and the goal is to live. You know? The goal is to live when you're taking those treatments. The goal is not to do harm, whereas, whereas in, the, in the case of, of giving some, someone medication for the purpose of dying, the goal is to die in that case. The goal is mm-hmm. to, to die um, sooner than what would have happened yeah. naturally, although maybe, maybe not much sooner. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, each individual is different. Each individual has to make their own peace with God and with themselves. And then uh, each individual, um, I think, should have the, the freedom and the liberty and the right to um, weigh in on uh, this case in, in case they are whenever it comes to the point of crossing over from the living to the dead. That, that's a, a, a deep subject, it but is, it's yeah. one that's going to face every one of yep. us sooner or later. There's, there's no They're not going to find that. a cure for it. No, uh-uh. they certainly won't. Not that I know of. No. Yeah. All right. But it's the biggest fear we have. From the time we're yeah. born, our biggest fear, it's not being dead after we're dead. We don't care, but it's how we make that transition uh, uh, the dying uh, that scares the pants off yeah. of us the, the, tra- the, the, the way I might die might uh, make me unsettled but dying doesn't bother me at all yeah I've yeah, always it, said I've, I've always heard people say man I don't want to die like that and I'd say well I'm sorry there's not a questionnaire to fill out I mean you really don't get to choose but uh, you know this is a controversial subject but I know that sometimes whenever people have less than six months to live and they're in severe pain i know sometimes that they'll take drastic measures in doing it in a way that is very bad for the family to have to deal with and i'm not saying even though i do have you know some problem with it that i do understand there is instances where someone is dying and in pain and there's a better way to do it than them having to take the matters into their own hands I had a young lady yesterday come up to me and said, thank you for running this bill. I watched my dad die. He had pancreatic cancer, mm-hmm. and his lungs filled up with fluid, and I I had to watch him for several days gasping for breath and gurgling and stuff. And she, she said, that's not a death I would wish on anybody. None of us would. We're all humanitarians. We don't want to see anybody suffer. And, uh, it, you know, is this the right bill? I don't know. But sometimes we have to have these conversations to, to figure out if there is a better way. Well, mm-hmm. and, and again, I think I think one of the reasons why the conversation is even relevant is because the government took away our, our rightful liberties to begin with, so therefore we don't have access to certain things that we would have had access to. All right. With that said, Dan, we'll let you get back to okay. what you're supposed to be doing over there in the session. Thank yep. you for I've coming by. I've got some votes here, so I appreciate all you all right. so Thank much. you very much. Thank you. Dan Douglas, all right, District 9, coming in and no, uh, talking about this. All right. All right, so we'll we'll get Dan up again. He'll, he's got other things that are running that uh, we'll have him back for. It's a tough bill, it really is. You know, my 
my theological views would persuade me that, that it's not wrong. for my call. Right. All right. It's, right. It, that's God's call, not man's call. And I, you know. I don't know if you'd seen the documentary. I've seen. I watched a documentary on it uh, about six months ago, and watching these people and listening to their stories. Um, I've you know, people that had die, ALS right? and yeah, did I not know. want to put their families know, through that, I, and then just the I decision understand that, but it may be something. There is a reason for why the Lord puts us through those things. We got to take a break. Let's do that. We'll come back more on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, coming back, and uh, we got about uh, five and a half, six and a half minutes here before we get to the news. Who do we got coming up at three o'clock? Well, I think Representative Dalby is is, is hopefully going to come on. Um, we'll see. I sent, I went and sent her a message. I spoke with her earlier as the Judiciary Committee was getting out this morning. And, and so, how, how about uh, State Representative Clowney? Clowney. I haven't spoke with her since this morning, but I spoke with her this morning, and she's, she was going to try to come on with us at, at 3.30. Okay, that's a pretty interesting bill she's got. She does have an interesting bill. So she's got a, a bill that deals with... Um, children who have been um i guess arrested and they're in police custody and being interrogated and being without in, parents being, being there being interrogated without an attorney and without That's a guardian of any sort. right and so apparently sometimes a, a child might get interrogated and the child w- might waive their right to an attorney and and her her position is well a child is not in a position to make that decision right it's not in right. a position to make that decision without their parents and so mm-hmm. i think that was kind of dealing with that and and some of the other kind of surrounding issues with that. I don't know exactly what it does. I didn't realize that you could interrogate a child without I did not either. A, a I don't representative, know. an so adult. I, I don't know exactly what the process is right now, but I'm sure she can kind of explain that to us and um, uh, what the current process is. She is, she is an attorney herself, and so, um, but it should be an interesting. Okay, so have we about. reached out to see if she's going to be available? Let, let me go and, and send a message to her at the house here in just okay. a few minutes, and I'll, I'll uh, remind her again to see. I don't have her phone number. She's not someone I'm. I'm. Uh, we, she's never been on the show before. She'll be the second Democrat for this for this yeah. session. Okay. Yeah, we had Joyce Elliott on a while yeah. back, and uh, you know, that's a good. It's it takes a, a lot of courage to come sit at this right. table. Right. Well, yeah. was, and Joyce Elliott, when she came on, it was a good show. Yeah, for Republicans and Democrats at times. But you yeah. know what? The Democrats have come. There are some Democrats who have voted in support of, of Second Amendment sure. legislation sure. this sure. session, and sure. I really appreciate that. Sure. No, we, we, there's some Democrats that are, that are not just um, rabid anti-gun rights people. Right. I mean, there's um, what, who is the guy in the Senate end that... Um, it's actually pretty good on guns. Well, the Second Amendment is not a partisan issue. It's it a constitutional it issue. It, it, it should It's a constitutional be, issue. It shouldn't be, but the thing is, though, that liberty is often... On a national level, Second Amendment is a partisan issue. It, you know, some people <laughs> believe that it's safer for only the criminals to have guns <laughs> instead of the good guys and the criminals to have guns. So I don't... I think even some, there's some Democrats that can see through that understanding. Right. Okay, we got we're about we got about three minutes. Let me take it over to Jan because there was there's a piece of legislation that you thought was going to be heard today, and then mm-hmm. they decided not to hear it today. Right, it's going to be heard on the 19th. Okay, that is the uh, well, they call it the elimination of gun-free zones. So that's next Tuesday. Uh, yes, and uh, I think it's going to be early that morning. So unless something changes, uh, and it's it's looking pretty good for that bill. You know, the behind-the-scenes work. 
legislators are, are sounding very supportive of it. Uh, we've got a few issues with law enforcement. Some people with the Sheriff's Association have come surprise, out against it. Huh? Yeah, but, uh, but behind the scenes, individual sheriffs are telling us they support it, uh, that there was some misunderstanding about what all it entailed and what in, was included in the legislation. But if that passes, that's a, that's a huge story. That's a national story. And it, it is, again, what is the legislation? It basically, it, it, it doesn't really eliminate gun-free zones. It does, but it doesn't. But what it, because you still have property, private property rights. In other words, if you're a business owner, you still have the right to put the sign on your door and say no, no guns. guns allowed. Right. right. But what it does is free up uh, some state buildings and, and places that right now, uh, you know, aren't privately owned that allows you to carry so that you aren't disarmed. Um, so... Okay, I don't want to. I'm not going to sit here and dig too deep into it. No, please don't. You know, yeah. Don't. <laughs> I know. And yes, sir. That way, that way, you know. Here's my key. I'm not going to give the people who would like to derail this right ammunition. Ammunition, exactly. Well, I, I won't do that. I didn't do it for 746. I won't mm-hmm. do it for this. Let me tell you this though. I was a speaker. I, I'm not a speaker. I went to the NAACP meeting this uh, weekend, Saturday. Afternoon in Hot Springs, and was surprised at how many members supported gun rights there. People that were adamantly supportive of stand your ground. You know, we lost the stand your ground battle in the Senate here in the committee. Is that not going to come back? I think it will. Yes, uh, I think we need some time uh, for some healing and to do some talking. But but I was really surprised at the number of, and especially women. It was women at the NAACP meeting who were very much in support of stand your ground. You see that that bill got a bad rap because of the Trayvon Martin situation. It, it people there's a misconception about what really that bill. Uh, what what that stands for. And so, um, you know, I think that you're going to see more people in the African-American community step up and, and testify in support of that when it That's comes back up. That's because a lot of people in the African-American uh, community are living in areas where crime is rampant. Yes, and you're also yeah. seeing more African-Americans move over to the Republican Party. They, they are speaking out. They're coming. And, and some of them have been voting. Many of them have been voting Republican anyway. But now you're seeing more of them step up and be very – they're coming out of the Being closet. Vocal. Yes, well, they are. Well, as the Democrats uh, are coming out of the closet, I think that, that some of the black people are recognizing some of these Democrats are just nut job crazy well, the, the with left some of is, their agenda. The Democrats See, have moved so far left. With, with some of this stuff with, with the social issues like families and mm-hmm. homosexuality and the fact that they don't know whether they're male or female anymore – it's not even that. It's socialism. That's yes. really gotten everybody's attention now. And yes. I tell you, I know a lot of business owners in Pine Bluff. I do a lot of business mm-hmm. in Pine Bluff. I deliver that area. Crime and there's Bluff. a lot of business owners down in Pine Bluff that wants the freedom to bear arms. Right. And wants the freedom to protect themselves. Exactly. Because they know that it'll be 10 or 15 minutes later, it's over. All right. Got to take a break. We'll come back. We can take this up some more in the next hour and and talk about it. But uh, you're listening to Dave Ellswick's show, Third Floor, House Side. We'll continue after the news, which is next. All right, back with you as we move into the 3 o'clock hour. We're on the third floor, House Side, and we have a... A House committee chairperson with us. Yes, so Senate, or so, sorry, I keep saying that. House Judiciary Committee Chair Representative Dalby is here, and so they hear a lot of kind of big legislation, and so this is kind of one of the one of the bigger committees on the House end. Well, the Judiciary is a big big committee on the Senate end as well, but so y'all hear kind of a lot of the 
sexy bills. Is, is that make is that is that um, the, the ones that deal with death penalty, gun rights, um, all kinds of criminal issues? Well, we do, Paul. But what I always say about House Judiciary, all committees are important in the House, but I really truly believe that House Judiciary will touch every citizen. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of committees are dealing with policies and and maybe narrowly focusing on one group of individuals or whatever, but whatever we're dealing with in the House Judiciary at some point in time will touch every individual in the state of Arkansas. Now, that's not to take away from the importance of the other committees, and I don't mean that in any respect, but just think about it. You have a will that needs to be probated. Probate rules are being changed or, or probate laws changing. It's coming through House Judiciary. Just like you mentioned, we have we deal with um, the gun rights laws. But we also deal with uh, exciting things like materialmen's and mechanics liens. Uh, but those are all things that at some point in time will touch somebody in our state. And so we, we try very much to... Um, be very careful. You often come to our committee. You know we are a questioning committee. We are a committee that um, wants to try to do the very best that we can and looking long term. And I I think that comes from that there are a number of lawyers on the committee. They want to be very careful. They understand how things work in a court proceeding. And we want to make sure that both sides are heard. Now, you're you're not an attorney yourself, are you? I am. She you is are, actually okay. a judge. You are really <clears throat> wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I had the very fortunate um, event in my life. Governor Huckabee appointed me to serve out a two-year term on the bench when he was governor. He also appointed me to serve as the special justice on the Arkansas Supreme Court for ten years on the Lakeview school funding case. Wow. What do you think of all the legislation that has come through your judiciary so far this session? What do you think is the one piece of legislation that is going to affect the most citizens, whether it be negatively or positively? Well, that's a a good question. I've not really thought about it because, just as I said, I think all of our legislation is so important that comes through there. Um, Sometimes I think it's the, the little bills that people may not have thought about maybe no one comes and talks about it it may be something that's not um, terribly exciting but in the end it may be something that's dealing with child support or Mm -hmm. child custody or things like that and so it'd be really hard for me to pick one bill because I think it's sometimes the little bills are the ones that maybe have the most effect on people than those big ones I have a question. I've noticed nationally, uh, and it, it was a national story, that more women are getting involved in their state governments as far as becoming legislators, whether it's uh, you know state senators, uh, state representatives, and even U.S. Uh, representatives and U.S. senators. Uh, do you think that that is something we're going to see more and more of, or, or and why do you think that that is happening? Well, I hope we see more and more of it. And um Jan, you and I go back a long way. I think yes. you know you knew my mother and dad. Yes, and uh, my parents we're both from Texarkana. Yeah, we're so. both from Texarkana. Went to Beach both Street. knew Mike Huckabee. Both were members of the same church. Yes. Same church. Oh wow! Um, and I came. Uh, my mother and dad truly believed that it was your responsibility and your obligation to be involved in your community, mm-hmm. whether it was in your church or in. Uh, school issues or whatever and they really instilled that in me and there there was never in my family you can't do it because you're a female mm-hmm. it was 
you should be doing it because you're a member of a of of this town. You're a member of this community, and so you need to get out and get involved. And I hope that that women will take that on. Sometimes I think we're hesitant mm-hmm. uh, to take those uh, things on. It, it's not. It's scary to run a campaign. It's scary to get oh, yes. out there and <laughs> put your name out there. I often tell people the first race I ever ran in was for school board, and I was unopposed, and I got five votes, oh, mine, gosh. my husband's, and three neighbors, <laughs> and uh, just to make sure I had had somebody voting for me. But all that being said, I think that, that women need to be encouraging other young women to get involved, whether it's in the political process or whether it's being involved in their schools or their churches or whatever. I'm afraid that we're going to lose a generation of of young people uh, through apathy. Yes. And when we lose them through apathy, we lose our democracy. Mm-hmm. And and so it's all my, my goal. I try to encourage young women. I hope we see more women in these leadership positions. Mm-hmm. We have more than 50% of the population, so I'd like to see us have a bigger increase in it. But as I said the first day that I was appointed House uh, Judiciary Chair and, and a TV station asked to interview me, I, and this is truly my belief, I hope we get beyond that day where we say, oh, a woman was a woman elected. Is, right, it's an American. The, <laughs> the best person was elected. I feel the same thing about race. You know, when, we, when are we going to get to the day where we, talk, we, start even, we stop even talking about the color of a person's skin? We don't even see those on job applications, What the, the word race. Uh, but I want to know, do you have any national aspirations? I mean, you, you've got a, an impressive resume. I know what it is. Uh, and I'm wondering if you're ever thinking about running for U.S. Senate or U.S. representative and, and moving, at, uh, you know, representing us in D.C.? Well, not really. I mean, I am one of these people that I, I kind of take a day at a time. I like to see what circumstances open up, what people come in and out of my life and try to seize those opportunities at that time. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy being in the House of Representatives. Uh, I know that some of my Senate friends, you know, they're always poking at us down here on our end of the hall, but I, I like the... I like the camaraderie in the house. I like the give and take. I don't mind the chaos in there. Uh, it's great fun to me. You, you think y'all have chaos. Well, th- this is true, but I'm talking about when you've got 100 people, we're kind of like herding yeah. ants down right. on our end right. sometimes. But, um, you know, it's uh, you well, know, it, it, to get back to your question, I don't ever say no, but at the same time, I'm not looking for anything else. I really like sitting in seat 37 in the House of Representatives. That's my seat number. And I like being chair of judiciary. Robin Lundstrom, state representative, came up with an interesting uh, piece of legislation. I don't know if it's been heard and passed on. It's going to be asked to be made into a... Uh, an initiated act from you all to go before the voters, and she wants to make uh, the election of judges partisan again. I like that idea, just for the reason that typically, if I look at judges, or you know, and I ask them questions, a lot of them, of course, defray my questions by saying I really can't talk about that. If I know that they're a Republican, I can ask them, you know, do you go along with? this or that and they don't have to say specifically but it gives me a good feel of what they're going to do if they're on the bench your thoughts well i know there are arguments for and against it i remember the days when they used to be partisan i remember i know the days when they're not partisan as an attorney i prefer that they not be partisan Mm -hmm. quite frankly sometimes i think there's an advantage not knowing because what's going to happen i'm afraid we'll be back like it was in the old days and that's not so long ago but um people will shop for that 
judge they think is partisan to their their case. And I think when you don't have a partisan election, maybe people don't know that. And I would hope that we're electing judges, whether they're Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, or nothing, uh, that their their key goal in mind will be, will be to always listen to the evidence and the facts in that case. And I think you know, that's what we really need to be focusing on. Not so much their philosophy, but whether they can set that aside and really listen. I've had the opportunity over my career to sit in that position, put that black robe on, and I might go in thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to be this way, maybe in the back of my mind. But hearing the evidence and listening to those witnesses and really working very hard to be that impartial justice, because that is to me, a cornerstone of our democracy is uh, that impartiality, that everyone feels that they have that opportunity to come to that courtroom and to be heard. And I think when we go back to those those old days, look, there were folks who signed up one party or the other. Still they weren't one party or the other. Yep. That just happened right, to be the, 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 uh, the best what, chance to get elected. The best chance to get elected. And, uh, you know, so I, I, like, I really like to look at judges more on their, their qualification, their temperament, and not so much whether they are uh, one party aligned or another, because I know that can certainly change just by how you sign up. Well, I can appreciate that. I was told by a committee chair one time I came and spoke on a particular issue on a bill that was coming before the committee and uh, was very passionate and prevented I mean, presented facts from a business aspect and everything, and I thought that hopefully, like a judge you said, that was impartial in weighing the law and what was best for the people in the district. And later the chairman said, you know, before we come to these committee meetings, we already know how everybody's going to vote. And that was very disheartening to me because, uh, you know, they're representing the people. When the people show up to speak, I think they ought to be considered. So I appreciate you saying that. I agree, and... and I think I can say, you know, in House Judiciary, I may have an idea, but I really never know for sure because I I try, and, and Paul comes to my committee on a regular basis. I try to call balls and strikes the best I can, and I try not um, to well, ever let anybody know what my feelings are. That's not my job in that committee. Well, and it's I not reckon, about politics, is it? Well, it, 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 it's to me it's not, and so I think that I recognize that each person in there is representing about 30,000 people. My district looks totally different than someone else's district, and sometimes even out on the House floor, if you watch my votes, they don't always line up one way or the other because I represent my district, and I, and I hope that, you know, in committees, that's true. Um, I'm that's always my goal in House Judiciary. I can tell you that. That's great. So a lot of times as chair, you don't engage in debate as much as other people do on the committee. I think it was this morning I, I noticed it was kind of interesting. A, a, it was a voice vote, and one side was louder than the other, but the softer side had more people that actually said yes or, or no or whatever the case may be. But you called it for the side that sounded like there were more people that that had it, even though the the opposing side was louder. And I thought that was just kind of an interesting um, call on your part. But I think it was the correct call because you, you called it for the side that had more had more 
Well, that's always my goal. And, and, you know, you're listening, and I try to listen very carefully and discern that, but you're having to make that decision mm-hmm. right then. Yeah, it's not... It, it, you know, you don't, you can't sit there and think about it. You have to make that decision right then. And and I may call them wrong on occasion. I try not to ever call them wrong. And they can call for a roll, for a roll call. And they can always call for a roll call. And I, that's certainly fine with me. But I appreciate the fact that you feel like I'm being fair because that's well, always my goal. Well, and, and it, it just, and, it just, you know, some people can yell louder than others, but that doesn't necessarily mean right. they had the votes. Right. And so sometimes people don't get real aggressive with their, with their yays or nays. It was just kind of interesting this morning. That I think I think it was the nose. There might have been three or four people that said no yep, loudly, <laughs> whereas the the people who said yay, there might have been a dozen of them or more. But they were relatively laid back when they said it, so it wasn't as loud. But you still called it for the for the. Yays. Why do we still do it that way? Why don't I mean? Uh, I've seen it where it could have gone either way, and it was kind of scary. And and uh, someone has to really stick their neck out a little bit to, to call for a roll call. I mean, why do we still do it by voice instead of doing a roll call every time? And which do you think is better? I like the way that we do now. Um, look, it only takes two hands to roll call. And um, that only happened – we've only had one roll call, and that was – I believe last Thursday on, really? the, on the death penalty um, bill. Okay. And it was roll called, which was fine. It only takes two hands to do it. I think mo- nine times out of ten, it's not going to be a close vote. And you can tell the way it is. And I like the way our rules are now. They, they're working well. Uh, I think, sure, somebody could maybe take advantage of those rules on occasion. Not saying that it hasn't happened in years past. But we're on TV or live streaming. You know, you're on live streaming. Somebody can pull it back up. That's the last thing I want to be is somebody's Twitter, <laughs> you know, somewhere I, out I, there I, or I, whatever. I'm, I'm lucky if I know how to tweet on I, any given occasion, but it's my goal to, like I said, wear beige and sit in the back of the house. I, I remember, but, I think it might have been two or three sessions ago, that a, a committee, I think it was actually a judiciary, came in. There were probably. There might have been five or six representatives in the room. They called a quorum, and they passed two or three things out, as I recall. That was outrageous to me. It's like they didn't even have a quorum, and they were passing stuff out. Well, you haven't seen that in House Judiciary no, this not year, this have year. you? No, Absolutely I want to make not. sure that's real clear. Absolutely because she's not. in charge. That was, that <laughs> well, was probably two and, or three sessions and, back. And you also know I start on time. <laughs> and it drives me crazy not to start on time. And I'm counting as counting are my heads. staff members. And as soon as we have the quorum, a quorum, my staff members are telling me we have a quorum. They're telling me how many we have. And I bang the gavel and we go. And you have found that House Judiciary members are getting there on time, aren't they? Because <laughs> they know we're starting on time. Question. For the, for the people out there listening, though, uh, you may have heard, but I'm a huge supporter of, of roll call vote so that... Everyone can know how they're represented, but have represented them on any particular bill. Because, as you know, good bills, sometimes good bills live or die in committee. And I want to know how my representative, my representative or my senator voted on every issue so that when it comes time for re-election, I can say, well, you said you stood for this and you said you stood for that, but 
you voted yes or no. And if it's a voice vote, I have no way of holding them and holding their feet to the fire. So, I, you know, from a citizen standpoint, I, I, I want roll call vote. And as a, if I were a legislator, I would want everybody to know how I voted so that I can defend my position. Well, we're going to agree to disagree on that point <laughs> because here's my, my view on that, Jan, is when we get to the House floor, you're going to know how we voted. It's recorded. It's up there um, on the board. Sometimes in a committee, you're quiet for a reason. Maybe you don't vote one way or the other. And I think committee members need to have that option on occasion. Maybe they're they're still pondering. Maybe they're still thinking about it. But at some point in time, it's going to hit that big board in the House. And you can't hide from how you voted there. So let's agree to disagree on that. All right, last question, then I'll let you go. And I know, Zach, I need a break, but i got to ask the last question. You were the special, basically, judge in the Lakeview case. Are we going to see that finally go away so that you as a legislator in the House and others in the Senate don't have your hands tied as much as Lakeview did? See, I don't view Lakeview as tying our hands. I remember way back when the first question I ever asked um, when the case was being heard in the Supreme Court, and we were called back a number of times, um, you know, one of the points I made was just because Tiny Lakeview over in eastern Arkansas, I think they had, I don't know, maybe two calculators or something, and it wasn't that they weren't trying to uh, up their schools and they, they were in agriculture, couldn't raise the money, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, I, I just I just believe that Lakeview is the way we ended up finally ruling after 10 years of the back and forth and back and forth uh, holds the legislate, legislators and the legislature and the governor um, feet to the fire to provide adequate funding for our public school students, which is what that that case dealt with right and um if we're not careful that will erode and if we uh, if we let our public education system now this is my personal opinion and from all that i've worked on in that case we ever let our public education system erode then we we start down a path of, a, of an eroding democracy because the best way to bring up uh the poor the disenfranchised or however you is through education, you know, and through good public education and funding that good public education. So I think that, if nothing else, Lakeview at least continues to peer over the shoulders of the legislature for there to be a reminder of that is a touchstone of democracy. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Sure. <laughs> and we can still be friends. That's we a good can, thing. We can, because I was on the air when that all went down, and I, I remember the arguments for and, and against. All right, let's take a break. Got to get it out. We thank you very much for joining us today. Thank it's great you. to hear from the chairs from time to time and not just hear about a specific bill. Thanks so much. Anytime. All right, Thanks a break, and then more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. For you who listened, there were three exact areas that I totally disagreed with her. <laughs> and I was, I was I just being nice today. Well, I, I, I smile. I'm nice. But, yeah. you know, my, my personal feeling is I want to know 
how my legislators are voting right. every time. I don't want a voice vote. I want a roll call vote. I'm paying these people with my tax dollars to represent me, and I shouldn't have to sit here and watch a live stream in order to hear and try to see if I saw my legislator's mouth move. But she she made the statement, gets on the big board. I'm... But interested it, many times for the ones that the didn't pass and yeah, get right. to the Many good board. bills never get out of committee. Exactly and I want to know, right. and it could be because who your legislator it. misrepresented you, and you should have a right to know. Yeah. yeah. Who, who was you know, uh, Accountability in, in government. Government should be accountable. They answer to us. That's right. And I've seen chairman of committees where the eyes and the nays, you could not You couldn't tell, tell if you're so in the room. You could no. not tell. So they make a decision. And uh, they they made a decision and I've it happened to that. be and it happened to be the one I've that heard their it be party was looking for. Opposite yep. Of what right? they were going to do. Yeah. They say the A's, the A's have it, and it's very obvious the A's didn't have it. And a citizen, what what's really sad is a citizen can't call for a roll call vote. Nope, if you're there nope. as, a, as a spectator and you think it was a you're close sunk. sounding call, you cannot ask. You have to have a legislator. If you do, two, you're out of order. Ask two legislators. All right, we're going to break and then we'll come back, pick it up some more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, <laughs> let me just uh, tell you just if you're looking. Uh, for some good car insurance, motorcycle insurance, life insurance, whatever kind of insurance you need, you should uh, check in uh, with my buddy, Dwayne Smith, uh, insurance agency in Sherwood. It's at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood, uh, Arkansas. Phone number there, uh, you can just dial up uh, 501-819-0373. That's 819-0373. Take your uh, insurance policy with you over there, and they'll sit down with you and go over your policy, go over what they can do for you. And and most people that go, I'm going to say 90%, they go in there, save money. And that's what uh, what it's all about uh, when you uh, are looking to buy insurance. And, and look to, you know, band all of your insurance together. You put your cars, put your your home, put uh, everything under one umbrella, you'll find you'll save a lot of money. But go to 3920 East Keel Avenue in uh, Sherwood or call over there and talk to Dwayne or one of his associates at 501-819-0373. And uh, Dwayne Smith uh, Insurance Agency, it's an all-state agency. Uh, They'll take really good care of you because you know what they say about all-state, right? Everybody know? You're kill, you know, good hands. Yeah, you're there. in good hands with You're in good hands with Halsey. Got to keep that in mind. All right, with that, let's uh, come back here. Now, would you all agree with me that Lakeview tied the hands of the legislature? Well, I think the legislature maybe thought their hands were tied, but the fact is that the courts are not legislative bodies. They're not supposed to be, but They're not as you know, to be. of course they act that way. And I think judicial the, activism has become a huge. It, it issue. has, and I think that the legislature is is um, is shirking their duty to bring the courts under control. Well, actually, all three branches of government have not done their jobs on keeping the others in check. It's kind of like, you know, I'm not going to bother you if you don't bother me. To some and extent, I think that's the reason we've gotten so out of balance. Right, so, so everybody, all of them, in each of the three branches, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. So if the legislature tells makes a law that's unconstitutional, judges have a duty to not uphold it. But do you know why they get by with it, Paul? Once again, if you look at every problem that we have in America, it all goes back to the people. 
not we're, keeping we're a bunch the, of we, we don't name we, the judges. They don't call them out by name when they do ridiculous things from the bench that they do not have the power and authority to do. And, then, and then when they make decisions that are unconstitutional, nobody calls them out. The people don't demand, uh, you know, that the other branch of yes, right. we, we don't it's demand impeachment. And, and part of the problem is so we've we've got several different issues there. But one, legislatures need to be impeaching judges. They, they really do. We've, that's that's the reason why Roe v. Wade had the power to sanction the killing of about 60 million unborn children to this point is because of this notion of, they call it stare decisis. Basically, the courts make law. Mm-hmm. They're not, there's no constitutional authority for them to do this. No, there's no constitutional authority for them to, to force lower courts to, to follow traditions that violate the, the U.S. Constitution. I was excited, though, when our Arkansas court took a stand and stopped Issue 1. You know, because that was an unconstitutional piece of legislation that, that, that was about that was, to happen to the people of the state, yeah. and they yeah, yeah. Really. That dealt with and they also stood up on the you know in the Taft case, they made they took that opportunity our court did to to make sure the people of this state knew you know and the, and the, and the wording that they used validated what we've been saying all along, which is Arkansas is a constitutional right. and, and state. And they have so. a duty to uh, to uphold the law. And I think both of those examples are prob- probably fair examples of them actually upholding the law. But we've got other examples where the courts have violated the law and then lower courts are just following in lockstep. I'm, like I'm, going, to, I'm going to call you out for just a moment. Okay. Because you say when they they went against the Constitution or they went against this or they went against that, in your opinion, sure, they went against those things. Sure. And the other people's yeah, but Paul thinks opinion, his opinion is the gospel. <laughs> but I'm just saying, and <laughs> right. as far as the other people concerned, you're all wet about it. And, well, and that's and that's just it. And it's, so, so the lower courts—it's <laughs> the same thing about right. me. We all, all right? do, we all do have opinions, but the but the fact remains, each of them take an oath to uphold the Constitution. And so, if a lower court but judge, but what if they think they are upholding the Constitution? You think they're not? Right. They believe that they are. And and that's uh, that'll be a decision for the local legislators to make the decision. Well, on. they haven't impeached anybody, they haven't. have they? They haven't. And, and, but I'm I'm I want them to start. Part of the problem is that the legislators don't believe their it's their proper role. Yeah, but here's the thing: cases. why can't we get back to why what, our Bureau of Legislative Research? To me, their responsibility is to look at every piece of legislation that comes through those doors. And before they send it out and say, "Okay, this is okay," they should be able to say, "This passes constitutional muster," or it does not. Is that part of their de- is that part of their job? They're not. I don't know if that's part of their job. I, somebody not. needs to do it. Well, I, I'm, I, at I, I, some I would, point, we need to make okay. sure that nothing even okay. gets nothing even comes to the, before a committee if it's unconstitutional. I, I would be okay with BLR doing that. How, however, one, they're not under oath to do it, as far as I know. Unless they're attorneys, then the attorneys may actually take the oath to uphold the constitution. Well, just let me sure. do it. Just let but, me set up a desk up here and let but, me check everything. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything is right. Everything. Everything. Does this pass constitutional muster? Yes. Does this pass well, constitutional muster? Uh, no. Well, but, you but at the end of the day, legislators need to realize that they have the power to impeach judges when they trash the Constitution. Right now, I think a lot of legislators have been kind of intimidated into believing that it's it's not part of their role to impeach judges for violating the Constitution. Well, well, there's one thing that I think that we've seen in this session is the Constitution of the state of Arkansas is too easy to change. And too many times, instead of uh, uh, adhering to the Constitution, they, they're changing it. Right. So if, if they're wanting to do something and it's not in the Constitution, it's very easy for, for this group here 
to just add it to the Constitution. Now, Dave, what are some things we've seen, had added to the Constitution in this session? Well, well if this t- sales tax passes. Well, you got that. They, they want to add to the Constitution. In the last election, you put uh, two uh, businesses into the Constitution, Oaklawn and, and Southland. Both of them are in the Constitution now. I don't think you should have businesses in the Constitution. I mean, why should we have taxes in the Constitution? Well, that's well, we shouldn't. I don't think we should. And Mark Johnson has made an interesting interesting discovery in the Arkansas Constitution that apparently the legislature can actually overturn... Two-thirds vote. ...overturn um, constitutional amendments. Yes. By two-thirds vote. That's and you actually read the Arkansas Constitution. You know, it's pretty clearly what it says. However, in the past, the Supreme Court has decided. You know what? You can't do that. Th- that's one of those. That's one of those cases where I think legislators. It's not my decision. It's not my opinion. Just alone, the legislators can make the decision to impeach judges for tossing out what the Constitution actually says. And I think that's the decision that needs to be made. But I think they need to recognize it is it is within their authority to do so. Well, they may recognize. They might. They may know that they can't get a two-thirds vote on some of the stuff. Yeah, they may. I yeah, mean, you're I, right. That, that's the right. truth of the matter. You think it's hard? Think it's hard to get a two-thirds? Just getting a majority sometimes is difficult. You're right. You're right. What they're doing, and and one thing that my wife brings my attention, you know, it's the voters that actually change it. But they'll add it to something that the voters want and word it in a way that that it's like, hey. If uh, uh, we're, we're going to put it in the Constitution, so I mean, so they could have added gambling. They could have gambling without putting gambling in, in those two companies in the in the well, Constitution the, the, on the ballot. That's all it was about. Was about those two companies. Yeah. I mean, they got a big tax break out of it. The, the better right. solution so to that it, would have just been to, to basically restore liberty. You know, if people want to gamble, let them gamble, but don't give people a monopoly. A monopoly. That's why I've all. Them isn't that what I've always said? Give me a clean bill. Give us a clean bill. To, to vote on. I, I waited on voting on the uh, the lottery until it was a lottery bill that said, should we have a lottery in Arkansas? Yes or no? Then I voted on it. The other ones I wouldn't even get involved in because it was giving somebody a monopoly to run the lottery. That's not what you wanted. Well, I guarantee you one thing. Monopoly gives you control over a lot of money that if you're in power and you have a power to decide who runs the gambling casinos and who doesn't, if you're in power and you decide who gets the Medicaid contracts or who gets the government funding to buy insurance for the people that are below poverty level, that gives you some campaign donations right there. Sure. I mean, Jan and I were talking off air. There's a lot of people that are sitting in these chambers here in Little Rock that, to be honest, if you really sat down and talked to them, they're not conservative or liberal. They're opportunists <laughs> that want money and they want power. That's Let me tell you it. about what, what, what frightens capitalists? me, it, what, what I dread. And I can tell you, and you can just you can say on this day, Jan Morgan told you, this is what's going to happen on that tax, that tax increase when the people get a chance to vote on it. Between now and then, millions upon millions of dollars are going to yes, be spent creating these 
amazing commercials that are going to tell the people of Arkansas, you know, for just a half cent, Your we're going to have 5,700 new jobs come to Arkansas to build these highways, and you're going to have better highways, and that's going to bring new business to the state, and it's going to be such a rosy picture. People are going to say, oh, for just half a cent, I'll vote for that, not really realizing so, all of the negatives and the truths about that. So forever. How, so how many million? They will tell you that. And, <laughs> and the opposite side of that does not have the money. Yeah. So how many millions of dollars can these contractors spend as an investment to get back billions? That's exactly right. They'll make up their mind. <laughs> That's just like the marijuana bill or anything else. The propaganda is so is so thick oh, on that. Speaking about the marijuana thing, I had a gentleman come to my range this past weekend from Colorado. He was in Arkansas and in Hot Springs on vacation. And I asked him, I said, so how is this whole marijuana thing working out for, for the people of Colorado? And he said, it's been a disaster, Jan. I said, really? And he said, yeah. First of all, we thought we were going to make all this money off of it. It was going to bring all this money to the state. No, it has not. Because what happened is people who got the medical marijuana uh, prescription, they got the prescription, but uh, prescription, but they aren't buying it from the They're distributors. They're now. growing no, it. <laughs> They're buying it off individual citizens. Number one, number two, he said the the number of accidents in our state that are related to driving under the influence have just skyrocketed. And then the last thing he said, the last impact has been that people are have moved to larger drugs. He said we have a larger increase and in heavier drugs now. It's a stepping stone. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Arkansas with that, but I'm just telling you that that's from a citizen who had no reason to tell me anything but the truth. Uh, and he's talking about moving from Colorado and because of the, st- of, the, of the issues that it's created in this state. None of that information was in the ads that they were running, wasn't it? It was all about, you know, Grandma being in pain and needing some relief, and she couldn't go to the doctor and get the relief that she needed. So, yeah, well, you get, won't get Get ready. Truth. If you've been listening to the Democrats on the national level, Booker, Harris, uh, Warren, and about three others have now all said that they are for legalizing marijuana in America. Well, and, and nationally, it never should have been an election. It never should have been illegal to begin with because it, it, there's no constitutional provision to allow them to outlaw it on a federal level, especially. And so it, it's they should just they should abolish the law on constitutional grounds if if for no other reason. Well, yeah, we could be like Columbia. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. Let's Columbia. just be like Columbia. Columbia. Let's just start growing poppy seeds. No, yeah. they're all there. It's illegal there, but it, there's so much money fund that flows through that. So many politicians get so much of that money that uh, it had never stopped in Colombia or in Mexico. Well, so many politicians yeah. are getting money from big pharma to make sure that it's never legalized because. Because it's too easy for people to grow, and it does it does actually well, according to some medical professionals, it does actually help uh, people with certain types of illnesses, and so. You yeah. should be able to be very right. easy to get a prescription on it, in Artie's opinion. It should be easy to get a prescription. But just like you said, when people have a card that gives them the right to own it, they will grow it. Mm-hmm. And the money, you know, why, if marijuana was going to do all these wonderful things about our roads, why are we having the governor raising 400 uh is it billion four hundred million million yeah, $400 million dollars four hundred million dollars a year with a with a half a cent tax and with the wholesale tax he just Look, signed if 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 it's going to do what it said it was going to do why are we raising taxes at the end of eight years we are in the next four years we are set to have 
uh, historical spending in Arkansas state government to, 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 to cross over the billion dollar in increased spending in this state if we continue on the path that we're on in the next four years? Man, we have, we started, when I first got here in 2000, we just nudged over the billion dollar threshold with what? Huckabee, one, one billion dollars. We are now at $5.7 billion. That's where we're at. Is, is and your, we're not looking back to get there. Is your government five times better than it was? Well, that, see, that's what I. That's the question. I asked that in Sling County when I talked By to the them way, the other day. By the way, great speech. I, I got a chance to watch the video of that afterward, and I thought you did an outstanding job of, of you know, being stern. Yeah, well. <laughs> Respectfully stern, but bringing some real I truth just, to the table. I just asked the, the, the question. Mm-hmm. What kind of response did you get for the people that had not seen that speech? <coughs> Quiet, but I could look at faces and tell that they they agreed with what I was mm-hmm. saying. Right. And and that's the problem. I've been told, Dave, take a break. All right, Zach, <laughs> just for you, buddy. We'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, coming back uh, with Ryan Norris at 4 o'clock. He's going to talk about House Bill 1705. Jan was asking me, so I had to pull it up here. Uh, it creates new disclosure requirements for both individuals and independent expenditure committees that spend money in an appellate judicial election race, meaning Court of Appeals or Supreme Court uh, justice races in the state of Arkansas. If an individual personally expends more than $50 or donates more than $50 to an IEC, that's used in a manner that pertains to an appellate judge's race. In other words, this is one of those things about dark money. And my answer to that is, if they want to give it without giving their name, that's up to them. That's called well, freedom of speech. What dark money is, is when somebody gives somebody money and they didn't give you any of that's it. That's right. That's dark money. <laughs> that's good. I like that. That's a good that's way, of, good. That's oh. a good way of, of, of putting it. So I want to go back and I want to talk with... Uh, uh, with Jan, you said you you got chance to to talk to our new Secretary of State. Yes, you were really impressed. Uh, well, I was because I, I wanted to ask him how you know what are some things you're working on because when he ran for Secretary of State, one of the things he talked about on the campaign trail is he wanted to to uh, secure our elections. He wanted people to feel like that yep. when they go and vote, that their vote's going to count, that there's not election fraud. And of course, he supports uh, photo ID. He wants. He said that we got a D rating. I did not realize that, but he said our election process system in Arkansas had a D rating and one of the reasons was there was no after audit, no post audit mm-hmm. to, to to back check everything and so he wanted to fix that. He said our machines are outdated. Yes. He has asked for money to fix that. So yes. it was good to hear that he's going to be on to that and he's going to try to get that done before the next election. Also, he was uh, he said that you know the Democrats of course are pushing for having control over the redistricting. You know, whatever party is in control gets to determine the districting lines. And now all of a sudden the Democrats want it to be an independent. Uh, they want... Sure they do. Right. Yeah. Now that, of they, course, all they, the got years, they were all in the, control they of it. They got to do yes. all the gerrymandering that they wanted to <laughs> so do. So he says he's really, you know, fighting against that. And I just, you know, he's very excited about uh, about what he's doing. And I think that he's going to do some great things for the people of the state. He's a, he's a good guy. If I'm not mistaken, this will be the first time when they redistrict, that all of the members who have done that will be Republican. Mm-hmm. Because it will be ASA, it will be, uh, of course, the AG, mm-hmm. and then it will be the Secretary of State. Right, right. That's a, that's a historical moment in this state. Yes. It's a big deal. Maybe we'll get rid of the, uh, 
Get rid of the finger mm-hmm. in the fourth. Well, his interview, I did a Facebook Live with him, and, and uh, Secretary of State Thurston's interview, with, I don't know how many, that's like eight, ten thousand views just like that. People mm-hmm. were really interested in what he had to say, because you know as well as I do, there is so much apathy in this state and, and in America in general. And I think that people, if they knew for certain that their vote was going to count and that there wasn't election fraud, that, that that we were doing everything possible to make sure that that there was integrity with our election process, that, that more people would get involved in the process. And so I think he's going to do everything he can to, to fix know, that. If, I think if Thurston be, has anything to say about it, I know that yeah. people will be able to trust I tell you what, if more of our elected officials were like John for Thurston, who would come in and say this is my principles this is how mm-hmm. i'm going to vote right and, and, and this is what guides me and then they got in the position they that they were in and did exactly what they said they were going to do mm-hmm. as john thurston does i think more people would have faith in politics he had the yes. best he had the best political ad ever done when he ran for land commissioner and basically it was i'm john thurston i have no problem with black people I was married to one because he had a he had a wife that was. I did not know that. Yes. I did not know that. And I <laughs> I had to laugh. I'll never forget when he unveiled that because it made a huge stink. You know, some people really had problems with it. I just thought it was mm-hmm. it was legitimately honest. You know, for people that have never met him, he's a very unpretentious kind of yeah, guy. He's, he's just great. he's always the same. He's just he's he's very level and consistent and approachable. I hear he's a, hear he's a great fisherman. He, he treats <laughs> he treats everybody. Yeah, I, my I, experience is he treats everybody with dignity. I've yes. always I've always known him to be respectful and and, cool and what, what do I say? I I have said many <laughs> times on my show he is the most uh, honest politician I have ever known. No, wait, that's that's a yeah, there's, there's such thing as honest. I think that he's not a politician. Well, maybe that's true, but I'm just saying he's, he's the an most honest, honest guy I've ever. He's an honest man who's an elected position. As politicians, as politicians go, he's a pretty nice guy. He's not right. an yes. opportunist. We got a break, and then when we come back, Ryan Norris will be with us. Are you talking about black money, dark money? Yeah, we are. So stick around. It's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, do me a favor. You get an opportunity. If you like what you've been hearing over these many weeks that we've been in session and we've been here four days out of the week uh, telling you what's going on, that uh, you give Sunstar a call and say thank you because they have made this possible. They paid the money uh, to make it possible for us to do these shows for you. And, and, And that's no small thing. And we thank them for that. All right. Just so you know, everybody that's here, Artie Hopper is here. And we've got Paul Calvert here, Jan Morgan is here, I'm here, and now Ryan Norris, who is the state chairman of Americans for Prosperity, uh, joins us on the show. He's been on the show many, many times. We're going to talk about House Bill 1705. There is a bill that uh, it's going to make its way through. I have no doubt in my mind about this, and it's wrongheaded and it's stupid. And here's the reason. If you want to give 150 or 200 or... 2000 or $2 million to campaigns, what's it to anybody else? Why should somebody know that I gave that money? I should be able to do it anonymously. You shouldn't have to know that I'm the one who did it, and I'll tell you why. Because there's people that would use that against me. I've seen it used against people who have businesses. They give money to a campaign, and I'll give you a good example. 
if you if you back Jan Morgan when she ran uh, for governor in the primary, were there people out there? You don't have to answer that didn't give because you're afraid that they'd found out that you did. And I can tell you, Jan probably talked to people, said, you know, I'd love to help you, but I can't take the chance. Not only that, I can, I, I mean, I can actually uh, show you messages that I got, uh, emails as well as pr- private messages on Facebook from people who said, I, I, I really want to support you financially, but I have a business and I can't afford to. And I can also tell you about citizens who suddenly became the subjects of audits, you know, weaponized state agencies after they donated to my campaign. One of them is sitting right over there. It's just, it's just the way that the business, I mean, politics works this way. But you know what you don't want to do? You don't want to weaponize it with uh, HB 1705 and make it worse than it already it's is. It's already weaponized. Yeah. So 1705, to kind of give a summary real quick, does apply to the appellate and Supreme Courts. These are the top courts. In yeah, who's the, that lady that ran for the Supreme Court? Uh, we had Goodson, Goodson and yeah. Sterling. This yes. is, I'm going to, I'll be honest, this, is, this came up because people who are friends with Goodson and they're Republicans and Democrats alike didn't like it. You know, and it's just exactly what uh, uh, R.D. said before we got to this side of the 4 o'clock hour. They're pissed because they didn't get some of the money. That if it had been another organization doing, you know, attacks on Sterling, you wouldn't have heard a squawk about this. I'm just telling you, it's the truth. That's so, potential. So tell us, Ryan, tell us what it actually would require if it passes. So what it would require is it's very broad language, and it is tailored and it expands the definition of an independent expenditure. And in this case, the independent expenditure is anyone who attempts to influence a person's vote or public perception of a candidate or a set of candidates. Now, it does carve out for media, it does carve out for opinion and op-ed, but really, in this instance, it says that if uh, a group uh, is interested in Second Amendment and they want to educate the ju- the electorate on a particular judicial candidate, and they want to say, "Hey, uh, reach out to such and such and let them know that you support Second Amendment rights." That would be considered in this a part of an independent. And if expenditure. I gave fifty dollars to gave, them, they had to publicize my name. Yes, they would have to publicize your name. So here's the here's an interesting distinction we need to make. The difference between candidates and supporting candidates and the difference between supporting ideas. Right now, in this legislation, the way that it is, individuals could be even sued against, brought into court and sued against for for violations of this in, in, an ethic, in the ethics uh, if Ethics Commission found there to be some kind of violation. Based on, so this, this based is on promoting a, ideas or promoting candidates? Promoting ideas. You can, if it's hmm. perceived to attempt to influence the public perception of a candidate, then just the idea of saying this person believes this way and here's the record proving that is enough to say we need to know who you are if you paid $50 to that organization. This is not only a free speech issue. This is a growing government issue. And since Republicans are in control, this should be a non-issue. So be. how are Republicans responding to this bill? Well, uh, the primary sponsors are all Republicans. And they are who? Uh, I don't have the list in front of me right now, but if you go to Arkansas Legislature page and look up HB 1705, you can find the so, list. So there. Jimmy Gaz, but Jimmy Gasway is, is the sponsor. Yeah, is the is the lead sponsor on this. This is a bar association bill. 
that they handed off to Jimmy Gazaway to be the sponsor of. Because they didn't like the way that Goodson was treated. Huh? Right. It's, it's an incumbency protection. Because right now, the people don't have a voice. Because as you may know, the, the leadership, the political class of Arkansas work under the dome. They talk the same language. They go to the same places. All of those things never come up as being you know, need, in need of disclosure. So they make those deals. And then the only way usually for people to have a voice is through organizations, say, like Family Council or through Americans for Prosperity or the NRA or the ACLU or the NAACP. That's how the majority of people find the capability to have their voice heard by government. So what do you want to do? You want to try to chill that speech. And there were some very chilling words used today, such as, you know, how do we react to speech in a proper way? That was the that was the question that this would allow them to act against speech in a proper way. But by, by, and, and their their idea being that well, if I know who it's coming from, then I'll have a better ability to react to it, as opposed to reacting about what the act, what it actually says. Right. It so so it goes to the question that I asked is if this doesn't they said this doesn't limit how much you can say or how much money you can give. The question that I had is then what does it actually change if the public discourse is the problem? All it does is try to expose people who who, support it. who, who hold right. ideas. So, so let me let me offer just a little bit of a devil's advocate here. So mm-hmm. if I put out an ad making a false statement, mm-hmm. then there's there's defamation issues there, you right? Can get right. a lawsuit for that, right? You can and get so, a lawsuit on that. On, on the right. other, but if I do it anonymously, who do they sue? Right. These people are just giving money. Right. They're not so, making so, so statements. There, so there needs to, well, no, no, they're making statements with the money in many cases. But, but the, the thing is that somebody needs to be the buck needs to stop somewhere mm-hmm. so that you can hold someone accountable. Well, the organization that the money has flown, gone to, is going to be the one that you sue. Right, right, and you're right. And I think that the the people who run the organization should be the ones who are accountable for yes. how how it's spent if they're spending it to 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 spread false information or yes. if the radio station or the newspaper if they want to take that the accountability and say you know if I just give if I give the local newspaper cash to run an ad and and I give them false information to put out and they accept it without my name well the news, newspaper can be accountable for the defamation well, they probably right. will not accept no, you're, it you're right they your probably name. wouldn't I, I know a certain billboard by Valonia that would probably fall under this. <laughs> yeah, well, let me fall. just let me explain because you go to section three. It's not just about dollars, folks. I mean, fifty dollars. If you donate more than fifty dollars to the committee, uh, if the money was used in this, this expenditure, your name and address yes. is exposed. And the business. donors place a business, employer, occupation, the amount contributed, the date of the contribution, and the aggregate contributed for the expenditure. The name and address of any person that contributed an item other than money, like a billboard. Mm-hmm. That was used in furtherance of independent ex- uh, expedits along with a variety of other information regarding the item. There is an explicit carve-out for volunteer services. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but if you wanted to advocate, because we're talking again about Supreme Court and appellate, and you wanted to say, 
I don't think there should be activist judges, and that's all you wanted to say, and that's all you went out there and said is we want constitutional, yeah, non-activist On your billboard. Judge. Yeah, on your billboard, mm-hmm. you could be in violation of this or be required or, to— Or, like the billboard, I'll give you an object lesson of how this would work. Billboard that was up towards Jonesboro that supported Jan Morgan and the peop- how much they went to— to find out who put that billboard up. Who the citizens were who paid for it. They wanted to know. They wanted to know. I mean, people were harassed from the billboard owner to the person who spot. They wanted to know who paid for that billboard. And right. I didn't even know who paid. I had no control over it. I was as surprised that it went up as anybody else. Right. I wish I had had control because well, I would have chosen yeah, a different I, picture. Right, and but, and I, think, I, think, I think the only time when it really should be an, really, really should be an issue is if someone's putting out false information. Right. That, right. That's, that's really the only time I think when it should, when it should really matter matter um and there's legal remedy for that right, right there right. is if, if we know it doesn't it require right. this Hi. go ahead you're talking about the people under the dome trying to protect uh people from coming up and imposing the people under the dome well i tell you what this comes up with one of my pet peeves and that's the arkansas ethics commission the arkansas ethics commission is not an elected group they are appointed by the people under the dome. So they get a political appointed body, by yeah. the governor. They get appointed by the Speaker of the House, and it rotates around. That, uh, that's exactly right. If you think that the Arkansas Ethics Commission is an unbiased group, I don't know what planet you've been living on lately. So to, to that point, the Arkansas Ethics Commission actually spoke against this bill. Hmm. Saying they believe that it would be unconstitutional, that it is. It's going to go to court. It's, it's going to be struck down. Attempted to have been done before, and that operationally they couldn't. In they couldn't make this happen. Do they really think that they can go to war uh, with the Supreme Court of the United States on this? Because that's what they're getting ready to do. That's the that may be the long game, but we're hoping that it doesn't make it that far. That's going to cost the state a lot of money to try to protect incumbents. And I've even heard from Democrats that are like, we don't understand why Democrats are supporting this because we're facing nothing but incumbents. You know, That's, yeah, the Democrats ought <laughs> to be big. Time how are we going it. to? How are we going to get our voice out there and compete? Well, but, but this is only in regards to judicial races, right now. Right now. It's a start. For, for now, but That's the thing what is, I, I think the judicial exactly branch though right. has a tendency to be more left leaning, especially since since. I think attorneys have a tendency to, to a great tendency to be more left leaning, and so a lot of times we don't have very good options when we vote for judges. Okay, so my question is: Is it mostly attorneys that voted on this in the House? That's that's mostly it. Yeah. Okay, so in the Senate, it is it the same way. Well, it hasn't voted on the House. Yet. Just have been it's through just committee. voted in the House okay, committee so today. It right. got through the committee, right? Yeah, lots of okay. So it's by going to the floor. So the let's committee. see how normal Republicans accept this. From their legal friends, it'll be interesting to see that are down there. And well, our, 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 people the, need to call their state legislators and tell them no. Right. So on Doug, this. Doug House was in that committee this morning. Yes. I watched this bill pass out of committee. Doug House actually said he was going to vote against it. And Good. So he's yeah. he's an attorney in that committee. And I so, would expect Doug House to vote and against so it. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what what happens on the House floor, maybe tomorrow or Thursday. Yeah. And um, but it's it's interesting. I think they may be. Um, it's beyond interesting. It is 
it is outrageous that this has even made it this far. We should not even be discussing this legislation. And what is more outrageous is that any Republicans are having anything to do with it. This is why I am here right now today and why I'm here every Tuesday is to try to get Republicans to start acting and legislating like Republicans. And here is a prime example of Republicans being part of the problem instead of part of the solution to big government in this state. I, I couldn't have said it better in 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 that way. Uh, well, that's why you came here today because yeah. you know this would really piss me off, didn't well, you? <laughs> well, here, here's what what I find I mean, interesting. Seriously, this is that, irritates is that me as big Republicans, time. as as Republicans, uh, or let's just say the we're nonpartisan organization, but Republican in general, the platform are against such things as like say uh, registration for for firearms. But now we're for registration of thought and registration of association. Speech registration, sort of. Speech registration. And so that's a... And that is just a... That's a terrible road to go down. I mean, what, why do we even have then, let's say, private ballots? Should we also know who? Yeah, we should supporting? know what yeah, everybody voted. You know. Absolutely. So, so I know that this seems to be, you know, some, some individuals may say, oh, wow, that's a little extreme. But that's where all of this can end up in logically following the line of logic that they're using right now. So what I would like to say is transparency is for government. Privacy is for citizens. This bill violates your privacy. It flips that on its head. Yes. And you can now, if you get engaged in a judicial race of the Supreme Court of the Appellate Court, and you don't dot the I's or cross the T's, you the find threat crossing is this. that yep. ethics commission will fine or sanction you in some kind of way. So, so let me ask. So let's say there's a, a Supreme Court race going on, and I, Paul Calvert, by myself, no organization involved, let's say I put up a billboard yep. saying, you know what, don't vote for this guy or do vote for this other guy. And I don't ask anybody's permission. I just do it on my own. Are they saying I would have to report to somebody? Are you attempting to influence the election? Absolutely. Then, according then to this legislation, to, you would have. Then, then maybe they need to go pound sand. <laughs> and the people that think that we all have a bunch of tin hats and that government wouldn't ever go out against somebody with an idea, you need to think, remember the IRS going after people that are members of the conservatives, a member of the Tea Party. The IRS looked up. I don't know how they found out who was members of the Tea Party and who wasn't. It's not on your tax form. But somehow they got that information, and they were going after people that had particular ideas. All right, got to take a break. Then we come back. I know Jan had some more that she wanted to say. We'll talk to uh, our guest, Ryan Norris. He's the state chairman, Americans for Prosperity, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you again. Let me give you that number. This You want to call... Your state representative. Do that today. Do that in the morning because they'll, they'll be taking this up. See, it passed through today. They'll vote on it Thursday. So we got two days to, to bang away at this. House Bill 1705. HB 1705 needs to be stopped. Look, it says that it creates new disclosure requirements. Here's what it does. It freezes free speech. In judicial races. That's what it does. They're going to do everything they can to frighten people away from spending money to stop uh, people who are running to be on the Supreme Court. This is a personal favor from some lawyers to Goodson. I really, I do believe that totally. 
Ryan, I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, you're part of a national organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans for Prosperity is national. Uh, are they watching this legislation closely? Oh, yes. So so what are their feelings about the fact that Republicans are are pushing this? Well, again, we look for policy champions and policy uh yeah, policy champions across the political spectrum. So someone may be a champion in this issue, but not mm-hmm. necessarily in this issue. But this is a issue that is very near and dear to us because, you know, they talk about the dark money per se. Well, mm-hmm. for Americans for Prosperity, that dark money, there's hundreds and thousands of Arkansans who donate $50, you know, once sure. a year to Americans for Prosperity. And now if we were to get engaged in a judicial race, all their name their address, their place of business would all have to be disclosed and over ideas, not even advocating for or against a candidate and express advocacy, but just saying, we stand for liberty, contact such and such justice and save free speech for our Kansans. That's considered to be influencing under this. What is your impression on the chances of this passing once it gets to the floor? The House floor is probably a better than 50% chance. That is unbelievable. And that is because of the powerful lobbies that are out there working on this right now. We do have opportunity, I believe, to backstop this if you contact your senators. Particularly look at the senators that are in the Senate Judiciary. Give them some support. That's the way that we have to offset the powerful lobbies is with people contacting their legislators and saying, we've got your back on this. Free speech is more important than protecting incumbents. Can you send me the names of uh, all the Republicans on the Judiciary Committee? Yes, I can. Yeah, please. uh, Okay, so and we need to to publicize that and make sure they all get contacted. I I wish we'd gotten you on earlier about this. We'd already talked to everybody on the House uh, committee about this. It's been moving pretty fast. Yeah, well, that's the way they do when they want to get something through. So I got a little update. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we'll find out what the update is from Paul when we return here to the Capitol, third floor, house side. All right, back with you as we continue here from the house side of the state capitol. We've been talking about HB 1705 and uh, talking with uh, Ryan Norris, and it sounds like to me he believes, and and although I'm going to tell you, call your state representative tonight and tell them to vote no on HB 1705 when it gets to the floor, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's on Thursday. It probably, since it got out of committee today, will be brought to the floor on Thursday, would be my guess. But they've been fast-tracking this because the, the less people understand what they're trying to do here, and the quicker they can move it through, they, they feel like they can probably get it through before you really understand what's happening and, uh, and get it passed and get it to the governor's desk. Now, they're still going to have to take this from the House side, take it over to the, uh, the Senate side. And uh, I want you to call, if you have any of these people, you got chance, I need you to call some folks on the, in the Senate Judiciary. The chair is of the Senate Judiciary's Alan Clark, and then the uh, vice chair is Stephanie Flowers. The uh, others that are on this committee are Bob Ballinger, John Cooper, Greg Letting, Terry Rice, Gary Stubblefield, and Will Bond. Now, 
if you want to know the really hardcore conservatives on this committee, Gary Stubblefield, Terry Rice, who for the most part is going to vote conservative. Uh, you've got uh, Ballinger, who for the most part will vote conservative. Alan Clark who I believe would vote uh, conservative as well. So there's one, two, three, four on here. And how many How many uh, votes does it take to defeat this in the judiciary? four votes to defeat it. Four votes to defeat it? We should be able to defeat this. I'm just saying we That's should a, be it, able it to defeat it. requires five votes. But the thing is, though, that they have to call a roll call. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, but generally speaking, it takes five votes to get out of committee. If they actually roll call the thing. Okay, so uh, who do we want? We got Stubblefield, we got Rice, we got Ballinger, we have Clark. I'm I'm going to say those are those are seventy percent or better. Okay, that's what I'll say to that. However, doesn't mean that you shouldn't call them. You should, yes. and highly recommend to them that they vote uh, to kill this in in committee. And it doesn't doesn't. Just because some of the other people are Democrats on the committee doesn't mean you shouldn't talk to them because Democrats aren't always wrong on some of these issues. So a cross-section of the political spectrum actually ends up being against this in across the state, across the states, the United States. AFP has worked on similar disclosure issues with the ACLU, even with Planned Parenthood, who... They they have an interest in keeping their donor list closed. Mm-hmm. You know they do, and the ACLU the same thing. Also, it well Arkansas right to life. Anybody, yeah, anybody. So, so you were saying, the, you were saying the ACLU is actually opposed to this. Of course, you're working. Are you working with, with our them? work in New Jersey? They have actually been opposed to this, and okay. they've actually been uh, the uh, have litigated against this in other states. We are reaching out to the ACLU. We are reaching out to the NAACP, who are looking over the legislation right now. And on the cursory side of things, they are very open to being against this mm-hmm. this legislation. All right, so that's um, give Alan Clark a call. He may be on here. Yeah, we actually. I, I Is asked he going to make I, it? I haven't heard from him, so okay, he might not be. But so if know. he does come by, but know that the first it. question we'll be asking him about HB seventeen oh five. You know, it basically look at it, it says that the government is the one that needs to solve the problem. That we need to give the ethics commission more power, and we need to we need less freedom to be able to give to organizations no, without the asked, government agencies. Let me just ask this it. question. If you're out there and you feel like you want to give to an organization that is going to oppose some issue that is out uh, in front of the state government, mm-hmm. do you feel like everybody should know that you've given that money? No. Uh, should, should, do you feel that? Ha- if that's the case, then why do we have a secret ballot? Even Biblically speaking, should we even be telling people from from a... From a braggadocio well, standpoint, hey, I mean, that's a point. Is that some people they don't want to be disclosed for religious reasons, or you know, just personal reasons, yeah. or they just are very private individuals okay. who subscribe to a certain you know set of beliefs and ideology and want to support that. It's something to keep in mind, and you need to be calling up these uh, legislators: uh, Alan Clark, Bob Ballinger, John Cooper, Stubblefield. Terry Rice, those are all the Republicans. I suggest you call every one of them. Now, Stephanie Flowers, don't don't bet that she won't yell at you on the phone, okay? She just <laughs> might yell at you on the phone. But you also have uh, Greg Letting and uh, you have uh, Will Bond. 
All those are, are people that you should call and, and, as well. And you well. can talk to Will Bond. You can talk mm-hmm. to Greg Letting. They're approachable yeah. people. They, at least they'll talk to me. And they'll talk to anybody. They, they might. You might be able to get some get some Especially headway. Especially if you got them. your they, checkbook. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing about it is this is for the appellate judicial election race. That's all it's but for. That's all it's for. But if this gets passed for that one. If they look at this and see it went through easy. Believe me, they'll expand it. Right. That's exactly right. The government grows. Right. So my, my concern, I actually sent a, sent a message to Jimmy Gasaway, the sponsor, and I asked him, does your dark money bill apply to individuals who advocate for or against candidates? He said, no, just independent expenditure committees. Then he, then he messaged me again and said, money spent by individuals would already have to be reported. No, so no, no, that's, that's false. And that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, but I don't know. So I spent, sent him another question to ask him to clarify. So I, so I said, if I spend $200 to buy an ad to support my favorite candidate without coordinating with the candidate, are you saying that I would be required to report that to a government agency? And he hasn't responded back yet, so we'll see what Yeah, and if, you, if you gave your, your money to Judicial Watch, let's say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're running ads against, let's just say, Sterling. Right. All of that, if it's more than 50 bucks, it's going to be exposed. It'll be interesting to see. Right. That, the, so he said it, just, it would just apply to expenditure committees, which I assume the, the way that the you asked Watch it sounded be. like if you made an expenditure towards just a candidate. Right. This does not include but, candidates like that. It, 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 it's about PAC money PAC and things money, of right. that nature. Right. So but my, it says, my, my, my concern is if I just act. On my own. Independently. Independently. So I go, maybe I go buy an ad in the newspaper or a local radio station or something of that nature. Yeah. Yeah, but it says here, if anyone that attempts to influence right. a voter or a voters or the public perception of a candidate or a set of candidates, that you will be treated like an IE. That's, it's because and, and, it's broadly and that, written. And that the, uh, and, and that the uh, Arkansas Ethics Committee decide on an individual basis if what you were doing needed to be made public or not. Right. It's a, it's a bad bill. We don't want the government Folks, deciding it's a bad what bill. needs to be made public. I mean, even if we were going to say dark money is evil, which it's not, it's just evil if you're on the other side of it. That's exactly right. I was accused of taking dark money in my campaign, and you can look up my campaign finances. I paid 90% of my election out of my own back pocket. But did somebody from a out few, of the state give some money to your campaign? There was a few groups dark that gave money. me some money that didn't give Evil my candidate money. money, so that was dark money. Yeah. Does it does it does it is the money black or is it green? I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm, I never understood this whole dark money crap. It just, it's just like it's this just freedom ridiculous. of speech. You have yeah. the freedom of speech as long as you don't disagree with me. Yeah, you got that's free, what that, this exactly that's what, is. That's what we had to stop in the colleges this year, and this is what we got to stop now for our elections. Yes, um, and in our fact, judicial elections. Yes, Courtney Goodson. Justice Courtney Goodson should come out and say, this is ridiculous. It shouldn't happen. And if she doesn't do that, then I question whether she can be, if it gets in front of the Supreme Court, If I think she has to recuse herself. Well, they keep on saying, you know, this doesn't have any ramifications on people. You know, this everybody can have the same amount of speech. They can give contrib- no. contribute the same amount of money. But then the, what they said was dark money must be stopped. 
to be stopped, it has to have. They have to know there's some kind of chilling effect that will result if people are brought out into yeah, the public. Yeah, if it's not going to do anything, why run the bill? Right. And we have the ability to freely associate, and we have the ability to privately associate. Isn't that what the First Amendment says? That that is what we're saying. This is a free speech issue. But if if you if I disagree with you though, I'm going to go to the ethics commission. That's exactly right. If I right. disagree with you, I'm going to the ethics commission. Try to punish you, and we'll see what side of the the candidates I know because the ethics commissions is not an elected group. It is a non-elected group that is appointed by the people that are Star under the chamber. dome. Star <laughs> chamber. Star chamber. That's what they are. Yeah, whether people like to admit it or not, that's a that's a star chamber. But people like this, you know, things like this. There's so many people that say, "Well, you're wasting your time. Things are not going to change. You're banging your head against the wall." You know, uh, government's going to grow, and the more power they get, the less you're going to be able. Yeah, to but do I about can it. try to stop it kicking. That's the exactly right. right. But things like this is it it just lends to people thinking and talking that way because it's going to expose people and they'll be afraid to support a group because they're afraid that the people in power will know who they are and come after them. Well, it, it, Not that it, it makes us any different. Just a, kind of another thought. When groups act through government, government-created, if you will, corporations, a lot of times they, they end up with extra immunity for some of the bad behavior they engage in. And so I, I could see bringing about some extra extra accountability for corporations when they're acting politically or, or whatever else. But for individuals, I, I think we need to be pretty careful about how we're um, I- imposing regulations on how they engage in political speech. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back, finish this hour up, and our power panel up for uh, uh, this Tuesday. Bible guys are coming up. Following the news at the top of the hour, but stick around. We got more to talk about this when we come back. All right, we are back with you. Ryan Norris is our guest. He is the uh, state chairman of Americans for Prosperity, who have fought these types of bills all over this country. And uh, this ugliness has now come here to the uh, state of Arkansas. Before I go with him to finish up, Paul, you wanted to say something about the Courtney Goodson right, so the, David Sterling race. So that race was kind of interesting in that. The um, it was a Judicial Watch Network was putting out ads. I think it was that group. They were, they were putting out ads against Courtney Goodson, and so I I asked um, somebody kind of who was in the know about those ads, wondering you know was any of the stuff that they said about her in any way untrue? And from what I gather, the vast majority of it was true. There was one thing that was impossible for them to know that they were presenting as fact. And that was about whether or not she voted for a pay increase or something of that nature, I think. And because it was a closed-door vote. And so it was unknown whether or not she actually supported it, but that those ads were saying that she did, apparently. And, and so there's an argument to be made that, well, that was defamatory because it was untrue. We don't know if it was untrue or not. It's just that that's a possibility, and that was dropped and not to determine. Well, and, and that's that's the thing is that 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 so there's a lawsuit to, to to make the ad stop. The ads were stopped, and then the lawsuit was never actually pursued any further afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if I understand it correctly, there that 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 claim was never actually de- denied. And um, so I think there may be an argument to say that the Judicial Watch Network was putting out false information. However, the issue is not about. Well, we need to, de- need to de- determine who all go- gave to the Judicial Watch Network. Maybe we just need to hold them accountable for putting out false information. Right. 
appropriately. No so one should put out false information. No one should put out false information. But, okay, find out who did it, punish them. Right. All right. We who's, have no who, problems Who's with responsible that? for it? All right, let's but, go back over to... But House Bill 1705, to sum it up, creates a new disclosure requirement for individuals and independent expenditure committees that spend money in an appellate judicial election race. So this is your Court of Appeals, your Supreme Court justice races in the state of Arkansas, which are some of the most uh, undereducated areas for for the electorate. They really do require some nuance and lots of individuals educating on judicial philosophy, etc. to really be able some to make a good vote. Some of the most vote. dangerous positions could, of power could in be. some respects. All right, real quickly, Artie. In regards to dark money, we know in Conway, Arkansas, that there was a judge that got about a $50,000 campaign donation. He knocked uh, later, he ruled that it knocked over a million dollars off of a judgment against someone. Now, he pleaded guilty of taking this money and knocking that judgment down. He pleaded guilty. Now, was the $50,000 donation that he took the uh, money for, was that dark money? Because as far as I've known, that... N- no one has been charged for giving him the money. I don't think that was actually dark money. I think uh, nobody so well known. Uh, the only reason I think that that wasn't dark money is apparently the donor that gave the judge the money shares it equally to everybody. So since he shares it equally, then there's nobody against no, I, it. I think that money was actually known where it came from. Well, well, well it, they know who gave it, but justice has not been served. All right, go in, ahead. In this in this instance, going back to the, the House Bill seventeen oh five. What we need to, to remember as citizens is that transparency is for government, that privacy is for citizens. And in this instance, these are citizens that, because they believe in, have certain beliefs, not that they're backing candidates, but that they hold certain beliefs and want to hold candidates to those standards of their beliefs, that those in power shouldn't force these individuals to register their beliefs, their donations, or their associations. This, the only reason you would do this is to chill speech, to chill donation. And you must not like the ideas that are being espoused by the groups because you're trying to bleed them by shun it, by shaming their individuals mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, who are supporting them. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, what, what you're saying. If they, they say this is not against freedom of speech, it's not trying to get rid of uh, the people who have these things what did they say they they said that you need to start you need to stop dark money right well, you know what that says we need to stop people who have different ideas than us that's yes. right you're not given you're given to an organization with certain ideas and principles you're not bribing someone to vote a certain that's way correct. there's a difference between giving to a group that that holds certain ideas and bribing a judge so what's going to happen there's a difference so you have a local church that maybe supports a certain issue maybe mm-hmm. they pass around a collection plate and they accept cash mm-hmm. so what if i put a hundred dollar bill in that collection plate what if you do we don't know. This is so broad. Again. Well, we don't know that. Here's the, other, the thing me. that we do know is that if they don't like the the group, the church enough, they may come after the church for whatever reason that they decide will have the most power. Well, that might that might be a que- some questions we need to get to the Senate committee. If you give government more power and more authority and more information, uh, people that think that they can't use it against you. Let me just I say, let me remind, I always remind people, Jefferson 
was just a, a, a fountain of sayings, all right? And one of his great sayings was, very simple, that, uh, you know, if you give the government, if the government grows, freedom disappears. And that's exactly what you're doing here. You're giving them more power to determine, in, a, in this case, just a judicial race. I still believe, as we've been talking here, that this will be expanded out if they see this gets through real easy. No, and I, I think that they'll the, go after other things. I think one of the reasons why this is such a problem is because government is so powerful. Yeah, well, yeah. And that's, that's what makes people want to want to have influence over elections. There's power there in be numbers. The, the government is so powerful, they don't want to give to anybody that may have a conflicting idea to the establishment, afraid that the establishment will come after them. Yeah. Right. That's why they don't That's want to do it. Thing. And this will make it worse. So what does stop mean? If, if, That's exactly if you right. continue to donate, and they say nothing changes in what you say or how you say it or how much you donate. You just have to disclose everybody. But the comment that follows that is stop dark money. Something has to stop. What is it? And they know what it is, but they don't want, they don't want to say it because it's anti-free speech. It's anti-privacy. It's anti-citizen. It might be surprising to some people, but I have been told that people won't advertise on my radio show because people might not like that I but of what I say, and you, you, you give that guy money to stay on the air. Well, blah blah blah. I mean, I'm, I've heard it. I've, I've had it thrown in my face. It's just what it is. It is what it is. Keep that in mind. <laughs> well, I, I think you let Democrats and and people from all sides of the aisle say whatever they want to on your show. It's yeah, just, don't this matter. Is very buddy. much a freedom of speech show. Hey, but, yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot of people, as you know. Freedom of speech is not on their top list of things they want to see continue. All right, we got to get out of here. It's time we've run out of time with uh, with Ryan. Ryan, thanks for giving us an hour of your time. I'd ho- I told you we'd do a half hour, and here we uh, we've got you on, and we've we've taken a whole hour of your time. Appreciate it. I appreciate Dave. it. Hey, R.D., thank you for coming today. Hey, you don't have it. to do this, and you do, and I appreciate that. You give a great small business perspective on a lot of the things that are going on here. Uh, in the uh, the capital, Paul. Thanks you for coming, yes, sir. Paul. Pe- people don't know Paul gets here early uh, in the day when the committees are meeting, and uh, he knows what's hot and what's not, and he keeps me appraised of what's going through. And I appreciate him uh, completely for doing that. Thank you, Paul. Yes, sir. We'll see you. In the I'll morning. see you tomorrow. And then uh, the Bible guys are coming up. Got a lot of good questions for them. Billy's going to be here. Scott's going to be here. I think Steve S is coming. But we'll see everybody in just a moment. Stick around. News is next. It's a Tuesday. That means uh, the final hour is always uh, reserved for the Bible guys. They're here. Uh, Billy's here, and Steve's here, and Scott's here. Scott, of course, pastor over at Agape Church. Uh, Steve Hess works out at the Air Force Base and works with uh, Agape Church. And and Billy, he's just an independent Ne'er do well. <laughs> That's who's, funny. Who's joining? He's not. Well. A great brother in Christ joins us here. <laughs> All right, so let's. I'm going to start right off with the questions, guys, because we got plenty. Eight two three zero nine six five is the number to call in me? a question. As far as that goes, you hear me? No, I'm asking if you hear me. I hear you. Yeah, okay. we hear you. Yeah, you're you're gotcha. You're you're audible. Good. Okay, and. Uh, Know that you can send us, and most of our questions uh, here in the the first part of the show are from 
uh, emails, just email Bible Guys, Bible Guys, one word, at SalemLR.com. And it'll get here just like this one uh, that was sent from an iPad from a person, and they said, Can you please address my question about the Jewishness of my Christian faith? I love that they even asked this question. It's great, I love isn't it? it. I, I have been listening to your show for quite a while now, and I was wondering if you are implying that when someone gets saved that they become Jewish because of the engrafting that you talk about. If you suggest that we do become Jews, then why are we called Christians like in Antioch? I'll be listening on Tuesday. Well, today is Tuesday. That's right. Um, good question. Um, it's kind of a big question as well. Um, if we, so uh, I guess we start off with the first part of it. Um, are we saying that we become uh, Jews? Um, well, I would say the long and short of the answer is yes, um, in the sense that um, let me. It's a really big uh, question. When, if you, if you go back to the very beginning, um, when when people believed in Jesus, um, there was nothing for them to become other than Jewish people. There were people. There was no like when we say Christian. There was no Christian denomination. There was no Christian group. Um, the disciples couldn't join something. Uh, there was only one religion if i can put it that way only one religion out in the world that believed in one god everything else was monotheism a, that's correct everything else was a polytheistic religion which means a belief in many gods there's only mm-hmm. one religion that believed in one god and that was of course the jewish faith which believed in the one god yahweh and so um, so when you believed you became a part of that faith family um, so um, yeah so at the beginning of time um, that was the only faith available. I think I'm kind of just uh, kind of floundering here a little bit, but but um, you know when the, the 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 question came in that they were called Christians in Antioch, which is true, but you know they have to ask the question if you were you know if they were called Christians in Antioch, what were they called before Antioch? Right. So they were called something before. So um, yes, and then if you look at all the many scriptures, for example, the word uh, Jew means uh, comes from Judah, which means one who praises God. So are are we all one? Do all of us praise God? Right. Then we're all Jews, I and mean, that's what the word Jew actually come, comes now, from. So. It also depends on, did, were you asking the question, uh, do we become Jews, or do we basically convert? Meaning, in the sense, am I to become Jewish? Right. And if you're asking it from that context, then your answer is no. Mm-hmm. Because Paul said to remain in your calling. Um, and if you're uncircumcised, stay uncircumcised. If you're circumcised, stay circumcised. And that's actually the whole reason for the book of Galatians and why Galatians is confusing because you had all of these people that were telling the believers they had to, quote-unquote, convert. Okay, let's go back and explain but, to everybody that you had Paul going out amongst the Gentiles. Correct. These are not Jewish people. Right, right. These, they had nothing to do with the Jewish religion for the most part. So suddenly they become believers in the Messiah, Correct. in Jesus Christ. Yep. So what are they now? And that's that's what Ephesians 2 is dealing with. Uh, that's also what a Romans 11 is dealing with. So Ephesians 2, Paul says that you were Gentiles. So he, he says you're no longer, because Gentile means of the nations. 
and the word Hebrew to become a Hebrew, and the word means it's it comes from it's Ivrit, and it mean it comes from Avar, which means to cross over. So when we leave the nations, we cross over from the nations and paganism into monotheism, into the um, faith of Judaism. So yes, in a sense, we do become spiritual Jews. And the word Christian, it means um, the anointed one, right? And Jesus was the anointed one. Uh, so we are, but it, it, it comes from the word that means the, uh, the Messiah. And, and Christ so means it, Messiah. Christ means Messiah. Yeah, and Greek. so if we are followers of the Messiah, we are Messianist, then whose Messiah are we following? So, yes, and the long answer is <laughs> that we, in a sense, do become Jewish. But Paul tells us that we do come in Romans 11, but to be careful that we don't boast against those who are naturally born Jews. But we are all part of the nation of Israel now. We are, there is no such thing as Jews and Christians in the Lord. We are all one in the Messiah, but the Jews weren't supposed to come to us. We came to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because to them, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. Correct. That's correct. And in, in Ephesians tells us that before we found Christ, we were strangers and foreigners. That's right. uh, from what? From the Commonwealth of Israel, from the covenants of promise, and so everything that that we have become a part of, they had. There was nothing on our side. Nothing the Gentiles had to offer. So the grafting made us that way. And after Romans two says this, it says that a true Jew is one who's inwardly. And so um, the circumcision of the heart. So, yes, when you come to faith in Jesus, then you do um, become a part of the nation of Israel. The new covenant is given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It doesn't say anything about Gentiles. Uh, So what happens is when you be born again, you become a part of the house of Israel, the house of Judah. That's why you have the new covenant. That's your entry point. So you do become that. This, I, mean, like I said, this is a big question. I mean, you yeah. could teach a whole seminar yeah, on this particular question. We could talk the rest question. of the show about this by itself. Yeah. But uh, the reason why they're, they're called covered Christian, by Jewish blood. How's that one? Uh, there you go. <laughs> I bet <laughs> we, you could teach an entire 12-week course on this. You probably one, right? could. You could probably, probably find out the American Institute. Probably. Appreciate that, Bill. Probably develop an entire school based <laughs> off this foundation. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a thought. But I think, uh, isn't it true that the reason they were called Christians at Antioch first is that that, that was the first time that we have a, a Greek outpost. Yep. And so they couldn't call them um, Messianics, or they couldn't call them uh, Notzrim like they do in Hebrew today. They had to choose a Greek word for it, so they chose the closest Greek word to the word Messiah they could find, which was Christ. So the only reason why we were called Christians is because it left the land, land of Israel and went to a Greek-speaking right. nation. And up and to that point, they were called the way. Christ. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Messiah. The Same one. thing we were known as the way. Yep. There you that's go. right. Yep. That was at Rome, wasn't it? The, the way. The uh, way. I don't remember. But yeah, it, they were definitely um, called the way. The way um, it exists in Jerusalem. They were calling them. They were. They were calling them followers of the way in Jerusalem, as I recall. Okay. Um, we will look. Yeah, I, I Take will. It. Okay. we can look it so up. We are Dave. coming up on a break here. In a Next few question. Minutes. Uh, yeah, let's, like, let's, we'll go ahead and get a break. I hope that answers the question. Didn't muddy the waters up yeah, too much because yeah. it's like you said, it's a big question. Yeah. Just if that didn't answer your question, uh, please just feel free to write us back and, and ask us to elaborate. It was a very big question, a very good question. So we appreciate yeah. you sending it in. I'm glad people are asking about their Jewishness. And it's a well fantastic. thought out question. Absolutely. Because remember, it's. Judeo Christianity. That's it's right. Not Christianity. That's correct. You know, how's it go? If uh, you know the Jews are still around, 
basically without Jesus, but we're nowhere. We're nowhere if Jesus disappears. It's without bottom line. That's right. All right. Let's come back, and we got another question that we'll uh, get into, and they'll get their answer that they want to bring to you as well from what we're finishing up. Here on the Bible, guys, it is, of course, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We're at the Capitol, but we're not talking politics. We're talking eternity here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 20 minutes after 5, Bible Guys are here. If you've got a question, Guys at SalemLR.com or call, and that is uh, 823-0965. Was there anything you wanted to add to the previous segment? Uh, you wanted to talk about the way. Oh, we were talking about the way, yes. That is, um, that is used in Jerusalem because that is Paul going and asking for permission to hunt those out who were followers of the way. So obviously... Uh, you wouldn't walk into a group of rulers and use a term they did not know. Um, so when he goes asking for letters to hunt down those who follow the way, they had to have known who he's referring to. Yeah. All right. Next question. Dear Pastor Scott, I have a question I'd like for you to address on the radio show this coming Tuesday. I know that we believe the Bible to be true by faith, but do we have any archaeological evidence to prove that what the Bible says really did exist? I'm not talking about cities because that's obvious, but what about the kings and the prophets? How do we know that they really existed? Do we have any um, empirical evidence for that, scientific or otherwise? Right. Uh, the answer is a great big fat yes. Um, every year um, there are fines. I mean, my goodness, um, where to start? Uh, you mentioned... Um, I'll just start with the, uh, you mentioned kings and, um, and uh, prophets and things. There was back in, you guys might need to help me with this, I think it was in 2009, um, there was, uh, have you heard of, heard of the um, uh, Isaiah Bulle? Uh, the Isaiah Bulle? Uh, the, uh, they Is that f- that stone? That is- no, they found a stamp or, or, or a clay seal. Um, and uh, it's a recently discovered area. They've been excavating the city of David. It's called the Ophel. They also excavated a, a place beside it, and they found uh, a, a stamp, or not a stamp, but a seal, and it actually says on there, um, it says the name Yeshiyahu, which is the name Isaiah, and then underneath it, it has the word Navi, hmm. and the word Navi is the word prophet. So we actually have... A, a, a seal of the prophet Isaiah, which is interesting, though, is that in the same strata, we're talking about archaeology, in the same strata, about um, about three feet away from it, they found the the uh, they found the amazing, fully intact Hezekiah seal, hmm. the, the the seal of, of King Hezekiah, and it was um, it's perfectly intact. It says Hezekiah, the son of uh, uh, Amos. I believe it was, uh, it says the king of Judah. So Isaiah lived at the same time that Hezekiah did, prophesied during the same time, same time as Hezekiah. They find their, their two seals in the same layer, about a meter or three feet apart from each other, confirming they lived at the same time. This is just one of yeah. many examples that these people actually did uh, I don't remember what year they found the stone over by us. I think it was Caesarea by the Sea, which was one of the... Uh, one of the paving stones they used on the Roman yes. road, and oh. it had uh, an Sister inscription. Maritima. Is that where it was? Yeah. Yep. And uh, they had a, the, an inscription on there that, that uh, mentioned Pontius Pilate. Uh, yeah, because they, for a long time they thought Pilate was didn't exist. myth. Yep. 
And so they found that there. And they found something else recently. Actually, I just pulled it up. It's too bad we don't have the uh, that on. But this right here, that's the seal of Hezekiah, and that's the, hill, the seal of uh, Isaiah. Right. Mm. Pretty cool. Sorry, you guys Beautiful can't works. see it. Yep. Uh, and I believe it was just in the last five days, um, late last week, that they announced the discovery of a coin um, from the first Temple Mount period, which includes a uh, statement about the temple So uh, and David. So And David. Um, it well, it is interesting. important because there's so many people that don't believe that David even existed. Right. Yeah. There's not a tremendous amount of archaeological yeah. And here's one, of the things, here's one of the things that um, really drives me crazy about this particular question, and that is that... We will go out and read the writings, whether those are hieroglyphs or whatever, of any other culture and accept that Believe them, right. as evidence of what Believe. happened in those cultures. That's right. Yet when we bring forward the Bible and go, That's here is point. our written record of right. our culture, they go, well, where's your empirical evidence? I'm right. going, we, we have the – this is it right here. This yeah. is the record of our cultural history. Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, there you go. That's a good one right there. So, <laughs> yeah, the Dead Sea Scrolls confirmed it. We know that there was a Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures about 200 years prior, before Christ. Mm-hmm. So there, these were not just one book. These were many books. They were, they were different scrolls. Scrolls, and many of them have different references from other sources. The Hebrew University uh, teaches a course. Uh, they said that the um, uh, the New Testament is the best source for first century Judaism and history, so they confirm its validity and historical accuracy. So, yes. I mean, I think a lot of the archaeologists they they actually they go out when they go on archaeological dig. They say they've got they've got the. Uh, the, the, the Bible and a book of Josephus in one hand right. and a shovel in the other hand. Right. And that's how they go about finding the, what, the, what they're looking for. So uh, to answer your, your question, there is, there is a plethora of information related to both the kings. We find them on, on Stella, which is standing stone type things, or cuneiform. These are circular clay uh, little pillars. Um, we can uh, we found them on coins. Yes, there is plenty of archaeological evidence to substantiate the and existence a, a, of these kings. A, another big one is, if I remember right, those uh, pillars that were on the east or uh, west side of the Red Sea that actually record yes. the events of Israel. Of Solomon, and, yeah, and, Solomon put them up there. Yeah, yep. and then and, on, and on top of it, if I can just jump in here for a moment, I know the person said not cities because that's you know of course well. Cities is important. It is. For instance, when they discovered what they believed was Jericho, Mm -hmm. the walls were on top of each other as they would have collapsed when uh, they were attacked. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we we have found, well, every year it is... I can't even tell you how many different archaeologists. We haven't re-recorded the class yet, but we have a class on archaeology. We'll talk about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, we do have plenty of archaeological evidence. Okay, so when that's put together, we'll let you know. Yes. So you can study all of that. Some people feel like you've got to have all kinds of, of uh, empirical things to show people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's my experiences that people will believe by faith. Yes, okay. there always has to be room for faith. Yep. Um, yeah. There is always room for doubt because there must be room for faith. That's right. So it depends on how you approach the subject. If you're willing to approach the subject with an open mind and open heart, faith will lead you to the proper conclusions. If you walk in going, I want to prove this is wrong, you'll find enough doubt in places mm-hmm. to convince yourself that it's wrong. But that's exactly what you've done. You've convinced yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Years ago when I was living in Scotland, um, we had a, a, a monument called the Wallace Monument, William Wallace. And um, there's a sword in there. It's, it's an amazingly tall sword. And I was talking to the church, and I said, and I asked the congregation, I said, is that Wallace's sword in there? And they all said, yes. And I said, why? 
And they said, well, there's the, you know, the, the tag. The paper says that it is. I said, so a piece of paper printed on a modern-day computer that tells you that's Wallace's sword, that's why you believe it. And they all said, yes. And I said, then why don't you believe when the Word of God tells you something? And I had a guy get born again from that. Just because it challenged him, because yeah. he actually was believing that sword, and just because a man printed out computer yep. told him, so he fell back and he reanalyzed uh, the scripture, and he actually got born again as a result of that. So, yeah, it's not like you can take fingerprints off of it, right? Right. We have more evidence of the life and times of Jesus than we do of most of these ancient political figures and ancient kings throughout uh, throughout Europe. All right, uh, we're going to be down here in just a moment to the news, so I'm not going to start the next question except to tell you that it's going to deal with the name of God and the name of Jesus. Okay. And all the different names and things that you hear and what does that all mean and whatnot. Cool. So we're going to talk about Somebody's confused, so Love we're questions going to try to like help that. them with that. A lot of people confused about that. Real, 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 real quick, uh, let me just say that uh, I was sharing with the guys today that I was watching the Science Channel last night, and they were trying... Uh, without supernaturally letting God be involved, Moses doing his deal with the people, the children of Israel, and crossing uh, the Red Sea. And, of course, they said that couldn't have happened because where they were talking about crossing, it was 300 feet deep, and, uh, you know, they couldn't move. It was one trillion gallons of water. And I said, I, I looked at my wife, and I said, no big deal for God, you know, and, but that was the problem. They couldn't get around it yeah. because they don't believe in God. Right. That was right. that was the key to it all. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. Uh, we're at the uh, the Capitol. We do this on the Dave Ellswick Show during the uh, general session, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 2, but we're going to be back in just a moment to talk more with the Bible guys right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's get back to our next question. The Bible guys are here, uh, Scott, Steve, and Billy. Uh, dear Bible guys and Mr. Ellswick, I'd be interested to know what your opinion is regarding the name of God and the name of Jesus. How do we know what their names really were and how they were pronounced? Some say it's Jesus, others say it's Yeshua. Then again, some say Yehoshua, then there's Yahweh, Jehovah, and Yehovah, etc. Please help me. I'm really confused. I'll, I'll let you guys start. Yeah, I think say, who's going to throw ourselves on that grenade first? Um, go ahead, Billy. That way we can blame it on you. <clears throat> well, there you go. And, and particularly since I know that you enjoy having the last word and we have a difference of opinion here, I will let you have that. How's that? Um, As if you know. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, the name Yeshua is pretty well documented for us. That one's a. <clears throat> I do know there are some different pronunciations out there. There are a lot of people who don't who want to get the Yah in Yahshua, and therefore they pronounce it as a Yah, as a hard Yah, and that is simply uh, an improper understanding of the way Hebrew works. Um, they're they're is, forcing it. They want correct, Yah to right. be there. They, yeah. they want that Yah to be in there because it, you know it's, it's God saves, and therefore we got to get God. We get the Yah in yeah. there, and that's that's. Simply not the way that it's works. Unfortunately, it's, it's bad Hebrew. It really is. It's trying. It's like trying to put a conjunction together and then cram some extra letters in there because the word doesn't look right. And it's um, also not understanding the difference between first temple pronunciation, second temple pronunciation, Yehoshua and uh, and Yeshua. It's a, it's a, it shows linguistic uh, immaturity. Immaturity, right? Um, now the good news is that that is the one name under heaven by which man must be saved. Um, so that one. That one I'm glad we all agree on. I'm glad we, we find um, 
significant uh, agreement there. Because if, if I could, if I could where throw, we're going to be. Oh, go ahead. I'll throw one thing in. Um, the 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 ayin at the end of the spelling of Yeshua, the very last letter of his name is actually uh, pronounced. It's silent now, but uh, in um, in the uh, in the ancient times, it actually had a sound. It had the the sound of a g n like nga. So his name would have been pronounced originally Yeshuanga. But, of course, it's become, over time, it's become silent to where we don't actually say that anymore. I think during Jesus' time it would not have been pronounced, but <clears throat> prior to his time there was a nga sound to it. But it's dropped out of use just like a lot of other hmm. words have. So yeah. that's a, just and a little me, aside there. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in all likelihood he was simply referred to as Yeshu, right? Uh, because it would have been shortened very much like Billy and Bill? Uh, actually, no. No? Uh, okay. The, the, the Jews today will wor- use the word Yeshu, and Yeshu is actually a... A derogatory term. Term, yeah. yeah. They have turned it into where Yeshu now is an acronym, and it stands for "May His Name Be Blotted Out." Right. Uh, the last time I was in um, up in um, the Galilee, I was uh, looking at the the boat. Remember that boat they found a few mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. from the first century? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was up there, and I was reading the um, the account on the wall. And on the English side, it said, "This is the boat Yeshua would have." Uh, a boat he would have been, a type of boat he would have been in. And then on the Hebrew side, I look and it says Yeshu, and I grab my Ooh. guide and I said, I pointed and he said, I know. They do that deliberately, mm-hmm. so all Jews know that we're actually speaking against him. Mm-hmm. Right, but right. Gentiles don't because of the uh, the or the Christians don't because of the English translation. But Yeshu has now become a derogatory. Acronym for and as for Jesus, um, Jesus is another one. We talk about transliterations versus translations all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is simply a fourth generation transliteration. Probably. We had to go from uh, Hebrew to Greek, and then from Latin, and then I think to English. To yeah. English, yeah. yeah. So uh, we had to walk a dog a long way to get from <laughs> Yeshua to Jesus. Um, but that's simply an attempt to make that name um, more. Western sounding, more right. pronounceable by our tongue. Um, I, we can argue about whether or not that has done a disservice. Uh, it is the name that went out all over the world. Yeah. And we're talking about God who is perfectly capable of preserving whatever he desires to preserve. Do not think that man is going to undo the plans of God. So I, I don't get when, when I'm in a when I'm in a congregation or among a fellowship of people who don't recognize Yeshua, I'll use Jesus. I'm not messed up about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm among those who get really irritated by using Jesus instead of Yeshua, I will use Yeshua. In my private prayer time, I have a tendency to use Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things. Um, I still use Jesus around those people. Those people too. To if aggravate them. If they're... <laughs> And here comes Pastor And here we've Steve. said a lot about Steve's character right there. Uh, In our church, we tend to say uh, Yeshua, Jesus. Yeah. I tend to use, try to use both because, you know, you're always going to have a visitor walk in for the first time and have right. no clue what in the world you're talking about yeah. unless you keep – I think forever I'll probably have to do that uh, as visitors come into uh, the congregation. But with the, the other uh, – the, the name uh, of God, I mean, obviously we were just talking about uh, Yeshua, Jesus, and a little bit how that came about and improper pronunciation. But um, there, it's easy to um, correct the idea of Jehovah because there are no J's in Hebrew, so we know right. his name was not Jehovah. Um, that didn't come around until like the 16th century, I think, is when the Jays came in. 17. Yeah. And then yeah. now it's most it, – it's between two. It's either Yahovah or Yahweh. 
and that's where the the difference comes in. Um, and depending on some of the ancient manuscripts, I think the f- the furthest one we got back that actually has the the vowel points is like to the third or fourth century. And then there's some debate about those vowel points, and I think Billy would love to answer that question. Where is that? Or what about the name that no one says? That's the, right. that's, that's what the we're one. talking about. Yeah. That's okay. the debate. It's called the Tetragrammaton, which is I think that I've was mentioned a deep purple. Album. <laughs> <laughs> the Tetragrammaton, and that is the Hebrew letters Yud Hey Vav Hey, the four consonant letters of the spelling of the personal name of God. And the big question is because Hebrew is not does not have vowel points. The question is, how do you pronounce a name full of consonants without knowing the vowels? And then we don't have the vowel points until the Masoretes come along and right. s- insert them for us to help us understand. But there again, they don't put the vowel points on the Tetragrammatron because they don't want it to be pronounced. So we're left in a in a guessing right. uh, space. And our teacher, Dr. Mosley, he said to me once, he goes, they purposely put the wrong vowel points on there just so we would never know right. how to pronounce the name so that was the Jewish way of going, we're going to trick everybody else into pronouncing it wrong. That way they never actually pronounce his name because they don't yeah. want it to violate the commandment of um, misusing God's name. And, and I've seen lots of evidence of that um, when those vowel points and um, those letters show up in margins or in footnotes or whatever, pencil on the side of a. Um, mm-hmm. There are some instances, and we are finding um, more and more of those where scribal error or whatever um, that is actually in copies of the Torah itself um, there are there is a whole group out there and, and I won't get into naming names but there's a whole group out there who are looking for that very specific mm-hmm. thing um, and they fall into the camp of uh, Yahovah rather than Yahweh but I will tell you that um, this is one of those things I'm simply not willing to fight over correct um, I, honestly he, he knows when I call on him yeah yeah, exactly. He knows your heart. And yep. I have a tendency to refer to him as Abba anyway, or yep. Father. Yep. I, I, I tend to, to refer to him in those more personal sorts of names anyway. Yeah. So that one I don't get messed up about. You know, go ahead. Good. Uh, well, um, speaking to the um, uh, the marginal notes, scribal uh, notations, uh, there's a gentleman called Nehemiah Gordon who has... Um, now, see, I wasn't going to name names. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, he is not uh, um, a Messianic. He is not a, a Christian. He is actually what's called a Karite Jew. And uh, it's a kind of a particular denomination of Jews, at any rate. Uh, and he's noticed in a few of manuscripts a marginal notation with vowel pointings, which leads him to say that the name would be pronounced Yahovah. Um, but I think that what the, what the notations do, like Steve said, is just actually show just the opposite of that. I don't think that this would. I mean, a scribe is like Dr. Moses used to say. The scribes are like newspaper men. These right. are not. These are not the, the people who are in the in the holy of holies, knowing all this. Right. They're just copying. Uh, so the fact that it's written there in that way, in such a. I mean, think about it. The, this is the most holy thing in the world, and you scribble it on a the side of a page. Uh, they would. This is what they would. When they come to write the name of God, they would write the yod. And they would take a bath, or they yeah. would baptize themselves. Then they'd write the next letter. Then they'd immerse themselves. Then the next letter and immerse themselves. The, it's unconscionable to think a name treated so holy would be scribbled on the marginal note mm-hmm. exactly how the name is supposed to be pronounced. Yeah, that would right. be almost like a desecration of the, <laughs> right. of the name. I was speaking to a local rabbi, and and I mentioned to him um, I was talking about the the holy name. I was and I, I would I would. Sp- 
when I'm talking to him, I don't say Yahweh. I say Yudhe which is the Hebrew way of spelling it. And he stopped me and he said, he said, I would never say that. And I would say, you would never spell. He said, I would say Yudkevavka. Yeah. So he would deliberately misspell. So now we're not even pronouncing the word, but now we're not even going to spell it correctly. So the tendency is to to do it wrong mm-hmm. to protect. Sure. It's called the ineffable name, yep. which means the unpronounceable name. I believe name. it's the okay. Mishnah records for us that they would only say it on Yom Kippur one time a year. The, whole, the high priest would say it. So it was something that the Jews guarded very much. Yeah. So okay. We shouldn't be so cavalier about it. So yeah. where did the name God come from? Ooh. Well, the word God is, um, it comes from the Hebrew word Elohim. So it's, we're, we're departing from an actual name, and now we're looking at um, describing what God is. So mm-hmm. the difference between describing what he is and what character. his name is. Correct? Um, I think, I wouldn't say it's his character. It's more, it's more like I would say, you are a man, your name is Dave Ellswick. Mm-hmm. So we would yeah. say he is, he is Elohim, his name is Yahweh. So, okay. God is what He is. Um, That's good. Yahweh is His name. His That's name, good. right? Um, but in the name Elohim, you see words in there. You see right. um, strength and things like that. Um, maybe you guys help me out here. L, L was the actually the initial because uh, then everything else off of that. Um, like El Shaddai, right? And we uh, see El Elohim, right. even. Yeah. So, so yeah. El just means God. That's why you have Samuel, right. God hears. Michael, M- yeah. Gabriel. So anytime you see El in, that is God attached to yeah. the name. The, yeah, and that's just like Scott's saying. It's just it's God, the Creator of all things. But this is His name. Okay, we got to get so, one more break in, but before we go, did you have something to say, Billy? Okay. We can talk Good. about his character. I'd like to talk about his character when you come back, mm-hmm. if okay. that's okay. All right. And it, then it, I it have a question about the president and something that he Uh-oh. did recently okay. that some people took exception to. Right? Oh, okay. We'll do that when we come back. It's the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We're back after this. All right. We're going to ask Scott to talk about the character of God and uh, so that you'll know his voice. He's going to be the first one speaking, and then whoever speaks after that, I'll say who it is. Go ahead. All right. Um, I wanted to just mention, we were talking about the name uh, of God, and Dave asked uh, related to the actual word Elohim if it dealt with more of the character of God. And I would say that uh, the character of God is attached to names, and he would do this. What he would do is he would come on the scene, and he would more or less declare something about himself, then he would manifest it. For right. example, he would say, he would say, Ani Yahweh Rafe. I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, your healer, and then he would bring healing. Or he would declare himself to be El Shaddai, the Almighty One, and then he would demonstrate his almighty nature. Or he would declare himself to be uh, Yahweh um, Shama, our, our peace, or our, the one who, um, who hears. Or he would call himself uh, Yahweh Shalom, and he would demonstrate his peace. So he would, all these names of God that we know about, he is our banner, he is our high tower, he is all these things. So he would, he would declare him declare something about himself attached to his name, and then he would manifest that. So we can see the character of God through his uh, many names that he's given. Um, and um, we, have, we see Jesus coming along and actually becoming the very character of God, the manifest presence of his name everywhere he would uh, show up. And I'm about to start a series as we get into the Passover season. I'm doing a series um, called uh, Exodus Messiah Song. And the word Exodus uh, in Hebrew 
uh, is the word shamot, and it actually means names. And it's dealing primarily with the names of God, who God is. He declares his, puts his character inside of his name. Uh, and so um, I wanted just to mention that when we dealt with the, the character of his name. Okay. okay. All right. Then the other question was, and it deals with President Trump and why wouldn't it? Anything they can find out, of, they can say the guy's doing wrong, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll say it. Uh, President Donald Trump uh, signed some people's Bibles in a place that he appeared at. And... Uh, some pastors or rabbis or reverends or whomever it was uh, said blasphemy. You shouldn't do that, all right? And just wondering what you all think about that. It, it's not uh, as big a deal as some people are making it out to be because there was – I was listening to a guy who was actually addressing this on the radio um, a couple of days ago, and he was talking about how past presidents had signed Bibles, and, and that's just not something that's uncommon – uh, people's lineages, their family history would be written in the front. Uh, I signed my Bible when I bought myself my Bible, so I don't, I don't know that that's blasphemy. How many people print their name on the front of their mm-hmm. Bible in right. gold? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So I don't know. These are people, this, it, maybe it's just all that they had at the time. <laughs> They're like, hey, sign this, President. President. Well, and, and I would ask, uh, are you not making notes in your margins? Um, I mean, I am. Right. Uh, Matter of fact, that's the part I hate about having to get a new Bible at some point is you because lose all that. Yeah. I'm missing years of, of notes and highlights. And I'm, I'm sorry, it's we do not treat it with enough respect. And at times we treat it with entirely too much respect in the wrong way. Um, we treat it like it is something that uh, should be put under glass and never touched. That is a book that is meant to be lived not worship. I would have been like, book. hey, hang on, Mr. President. I'll be right back. I'm going to go get 500 more copies so you could take yeah. back to the Congress. Yeah, there you go. And then awesome. underline the verse that talks about not lying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Wait, you say underline? Yeah. You're going to underline right. in your Bible? Yeah. You're joking. <laughs> I am not. I can't do that, we, according to these guys. Anyway. Billy was like a person, he would actually use a highlighter. <laughs> I, I will use a highlighter. Green. Green. Use a highlighter. A highlighter. <laughs> and different colors. What is your color oh, preference, Billy? What do you uh, like? Well, it depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about normal highlighting, that's yellow. But yeah. if we're talking about <laughs> New Testament proofs that the law is not gone, that's all in pink. It's in pink. You crack open the New Testament, it's yeah, in But pink. that's why I don't buy a Bible that's made out of onion paper. Oh, yeah. yeah. The real yeah. thin, because you write and it bleeds through. Right. I use you write paper. in your Bible, Dave? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah, you'd find a lot of writing in my Bible. Get this. I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't like getting new Bibles because it's got all your markings, oh, so all your writings notes. in it. So I had a Bible that was falling apart, and I took it to have it rebound, gave it to them, went back to the U.K. where <laughs> I was living, came back, got my Bible back, opened it up, and they had... Shifted some pages around. Oh no. Oh, oh, no! So now, when I want to read the book of Mark, I have to go to the middle of the book of Ephesians. <laughs> and when I have to, so and and they said, "Oh, if you give it back, we'll redo it." And I said, "Are you kidding me? You've already had it for three months." So now, when I read my Bible, I have to. I, I am all over the place because they have moved some of my pages around. We'll be turning funny. to the book of Ephesians, Mark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. well, I, when, when they put up your special place uh, when you retire, uh-huh. they're going to have that, that particular Bible. Bible there. That's what they'll have. This is a unique Scott Stewart Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it's the book of Mark and the, halfway in the book of Ephesians. That's too, that's too crazy. But, yeah, okay, so we, we're down to a, a, a few uh, moments here, and I like to take this few moments to say, if what you've heard you've liked – Okay, and, and it's helped clarify things for you, or maybe it's 
made you want to search even further deeper into the scriptures and to understand your your uh, salvation and things of that nature, then let me suggest there's a school mm-hmm. that you don't have to pay a whole lot of money. Nope. You don't even have to get a degree, but mm-hmm. you can learn and you can let the Holy Spirit work with you and teach you a whole lot of stuff. Yep. Amen. This is the school Dave is talking about. is called the American Institute. Uh, and if you'd like to find out some more information about it, you can go to AmericanInstitute.org. Uh, on our website, you'll find um, the courses that are available, the, the tracks that are available. That is an auditing track or degree track. Uh, you can find out the pricing. Uh, and you'll be able to, um, to be able to join a journey of a lot of people from a lot of parts of the, of the country, uh, the journey that leads us back to the origin of our, of our faith, which is entirely um, Hebraic, is a Hebraically oriented messianic um, seminary, you can call it. Yeah, and, and I would use the example of the one You of the won't earlier have to questions. put on a toga. <laughs> no. No. I would use the example of one of the earlier questions about can we trust the Bible is why you should study from this perspective. Because when, when, one, when one asks a question like that, they assume that the entire Bible is just some spiritual book um, like any other book that's out there. But nope. then when they start to do research, they find out that it's um, a book of poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a historical book. Um, it's a, a book of lineage of, hi- of that history, uh, and so it, there's all kinds of different ways. It's it's got idioms, it's got metaphors, it's got allegories. So you have to know when and what you're looking at, and and until you learn how to read those things and, and understand the context, the historical context, maybe even some of the political things that was going on. It, then it makes it real easy to understand the Bible. And if you don't look at it from that perspective and you go to most modern uh, seminaries, you're going to actually get just their take. And it does not mean what you've been told for years that it meant. No, no. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Yeah. All right. We're out of time, guys. Sorry. Right. Thank By you, the Dave. way, that, that last voice that you heard, that was uh, Steve. Say something, Billy. Uh, this would be Billy Miller. Okay, so next time he's on, remember that. All right, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for thanks, being Dave. here. Thank it's you, always Dave. a pleasure. Thanks, Closest to God these guys got today. All right, and not not these guys that are on the air. Some people, people <laughs> okay. hanging out here. All right, we'll, thanks, take, <laughs> we'll take a break. I'll see you again tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.